Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Sport. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be talking about the Super Bowl and get you a complete preview as uh, our guy, Derek Haglin, is going to be here coming up in just a little while from right now. And Derek is the new uh, beat writer and managing editor uh, for KU The Hill. Uh, part of the season ticket. He's going to tell us about what's going on there. Uh, and uh, we'll talk some KU's Big 12 and we'll also preview the Super Bowl with Derek when he joins us coming up later on. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group as well as our Tom Fullery Story of the Week. We'll take a look around the uh, top NFL headlines. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA today, some uh, trade deadline stuff. And uh, LeBron's recent scoring record. We'll have our Big 12 breakdown. All of that, a big show today. Thanks for joining us as Thomas Bridges joins me, as always. Tom, Super Bowl Sunday, you know I'm fired up. Chiefs and Eagles coming up this weekend. We're going to pick this game later on. But Super Bowl Sunday, there's nothing like it. Uh, You know, you got to have some great food. I'm not a huge Super Bowl party guy, to be honest, because – I don't like sp- explaining what's going on to casuals and being too worried about the commercials or anything like that. But at the very least, it's an elite food day. You got to have a great food menu, no matter what, where wherever you're uh, watching the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, you're definitely gonna have all the snacks. You got to have like number one in my heart in terms of uh, you know, at someone's house, Super Bowl party. You got to have the jalapeno poppers, bacon wrapped jalapeno poppers. That's number one. Also could be co-MVP number one. Also could be wings, hot wings. Got to have those. And then yeah. secondary, you got to have queso and salsa. And yes. guac. Like, you got to have the dips. Yes. Now, Tom, I think you're committing a big party foul here. You and a couple of our buddies are going to Nashville Super Bowl Sunday weekend. You. You're not going to have a Super Bowl party in Nashville, are you? No. You know what? You know, Billy, who's going with us, friend of the show, Billy Locke, um, he is he is the only one who has a rooting interest. I kind of do, um, just because my dad is a Chiefs fan, but I like the Chiefs. Um, and then, obviously, you got, you got Miguel, too, who doesn't really care. Um, so, and Jose's obviously rooting – for the Eagles because he's a Broncos fan. I get that. Um, so I don't, I don't know what we're going to do yet for it. And um, I, I do believe the place that we're staying in does have a kitchen. Um, but knowing the group I'm going with as, uh, as bougie and in-store as, as some of these people are, then we will end up at some higher profile bar and probably pay like $8 a beer. We shouldn't, but I mean, I'm, these guys could have chosen any weekend to go to Vegas, to go to Nashville, even next weekend when the season's over, or last weekend when they go to the Pro Bowl, and you guys choose Super Bowl Sunday to go to Nashville. I mean, like that just takes a day away from stuff you'd be doing in Nashville. I mean, yeah, you're you're exactly right, and you've obviously been to my house, and I obviously have the two big TV set up. Um, and then you obviously have the two big TV set up, um, but I'm assuming that you'll probably be at uh, the office. Um, 
Maybe. Uh, I believe I'm going to be at my house. Uh, me and my buddy, Will Scott, we were talking about this and, you know, we need to be somewhere where we can be comfortable and then like, just be able, it's just financially wise. It just makes more sense to stay home and have all sorts of food options and your own drinks and all that all in one place. That is true. And, and, you know, I'll have to, I'll have to speak with the people we're going with really have to see what the TV situation is looking like. Really going to have to see what this TV situation is looking like. But if there's a good TV, then I am not opposed um, to staying at wherever we're staying. I think it's like, it's kind of like an Airbnb. It might be like Verbo or something, but it's, it's not a hotel. So we might do that. And I wouldn't even be opposed to, uh, you know, saying like, hey, everybody, let's just chip in. Let's buy some bowls if they have a, a or if they have a microwave at the place or whatever, making some chips and dip. You know, if they have an oven, let's go. I'll I'll go to the store myself, buy jalapenos and cream cheese and bacon and and whip them up. Um, you know, and I'm kind of last second on this Nashville trip because at first I wasn't going to go, but um, kind of leads me into that. You know, the Monday after the Super Bowl. Uh, should be an American holiday, um, and I mean, this first when time they expand the off. playoffs again, um, eventually, what's going to happen is I think the Super Bowl is going to move back another week, and then you'll have President's Day the day after the Super Bowl. Uh, that well, I think that's the end. Government holiday only for the most part, right? Uh, I, I'm off President's Day. I'm going to Daytona, then I'll be off uh, after that, but. Are you uh, off President's Day for national holiday or because you took off? No, because uh, we get that day off, paid holiday at my job. Uh, well, President's Day is. Um, but I, I, I think, you know me, I love Nashville. I'm like the the travel li liaison of Nashville. That's my favorite city to go to. But um, the, the, I think that's a party foul to be going to Nashville Super Bowl Sunday. That, that's a bad call. We're going to have a good time either way. And uh, I think either way, I think our friend Billy Locke, who doesn't really drink anymore a whole lot, I think he'll be drunk and merry, and I think he'll get emotional either way. I wasn't – well, you saw me last year. I was emotional. You were. You but were. But it had been a long time coming. I mean, you were, you were so anxious for the city of Los Angeles to finally get a football championship. I mean – It, it wasn't was, – it was a long it's time a, coming for you. I mean, when my fandom started, you were you were still you were still breastfeeding. <laughs> I know, but you were just so happy for LA to get a championship. Yeah, well, it wasn't LA. That, was, <laughs> that one that one was for middle school, high school Tom that dealt with the two and fourteen Rams. <laughs> they, oh. could, they could play in Mexico City or London, and I still would have to be a fan. Oh, <laughs> uh, Tom, uh, we're going to talk plenty about the game coming up later, but just a, a quick thought on this game here. Um, you know, I, I look at this matchup and to me, it's, it, it's two polar opposites in you look at the Eagles and they are a great all around team and the chiefs. It's about two guys. It's Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Sometimes we see stars take over in big moments, 
and they find a way to get it done. Other times, the team that's the just the straight up better team just overmatches the other team here. Something's got to give here. I mean, this is uh, this could be something. I, I think we're in for a great game on Sunday, no matter the outcome here. Yeah, and you know the Eagles have everybody healthy. Um, they've played well all year. They've been the top team. They've been the go-to. The Chiefs, obviously, you know they have their. They're like the Chiefs over the past couple of seasons. I felt like it's like a wave, right? Like in and out, in and out. You're thinking, okay, you know, the Chiefs had like a, oh, well, okay, maybe not this year. But then they start a run, and so Chiefs are very back and forth. The Seagulls team has been pretty consistent. This Chiefs team, um, however, via the playoff run, has also been pretty consistent. Now, there were some maybe some questionable calls <clears throat> against the Bengals, but it is what it is. It was at Arrowhead. Um you know, Travis Kelsey was phenomenal. Um, you know, the Chiefs are there for a reason. You got a great coach, great quarterback, great system. Uh, this is not just – I don't know I was calling the Eagles a one-off either, but this isn't something surprising from the AFC side. And I wouldn't call it necessarily surprising from the NFC side. Um, but if you go off past things, you might have said, okay, maybe the Rams and the Bucks, And right. then we had – Dallas play very well. We didn't. I didn't necessarily see the Eagles being the, as dominant as they were at the beginning of the season. I didn't. I wouldn't have maybe predicted that. Um, but you know, here they are. Uh, they made the correct moves. They have a hell of a defense that they've bolstered with veterans like Robert Quinn. Um, they have great corners, and they, they play. They just play as a cohesive unit and then you have you bring in A.J. Brown from the Titans um, you have a myriad of running backs um, that can you know each one can kind of hurt you in a different way uh, and then you have a guy like Jalen Hurts who has been doubted since the day he was drafted um, and has made uh, absolute most of that opportunity after Carson Wentz left. Um, so a lot of different storylines, I guess, Jones, the only other question I can think of off the top about this, has Chris Jones got a playoff sack yet? He got two last week against uh, Cincinnati. Okay, he did. Okay, I did. I, I, I missed that. But, okay, so maybe that not maybe not that storyline. But um, maybe the best storyline, Jones, and I did think we touched on it last week, the Kelsey Brothers Super Bowl. Yeah, both of them already have a ring, and one of them is going to come away with another one. Uh, Mom is going to be there and the half-jersey thing going on. Um, and both guys are likable, too. I mean, and, they, and, oh, yeah. and they're big fans of each other here. To me, that's going to be cool. Andy Reid taking on his former team. Um, you know, Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, both guys that we saw play in college uh, in the Big 12. Um it's going to be something else. More on this game coming up later. Uh, full breakdown. Derek Haglund's going to be here. More on this game. Uh, Coach Bo's going to be here in a bit. Uh, we'll get back to Super Bowl talk coming up later. But let's talk NBA, NBA trade deadline. Tyree Irving is now a member of the Dallas Mavericks in a blockbuster move. And I got to tell you, 
let's start there. We have a few of these to break down here. Let's start with this one here, Tom. Pressure is on Dallas. They are going all in to keep Luka here. And in this sense, with making this move here, this signals that they are saying to themselves, all right, Luka, we're giving you Kyrie Irving. If it doesn't work, then Luka moves on and he's no longer a member of the Mavs and this thing falls apart. This is the last-ditch effort to stay a contender because they had obviously fallen off without Jalen Brunson. And it was also the last-ditch effort to keep Luka around, too. If this doesn't go, no way Luka's sticking around here. This is this is twofold. This is about keeping Luka, but this is also about still contending in the West. If it goes right, um, if you know, Kyrie isn't a knucklehead and if he can t- and if he plays to his capabilities and he and Luka mesh, this team can compete and win the Western Conference. If they if it does not work, this will end very, very badly. This is high risk, high reward here, Tom. Oh, absolutely. And and you know, uh the Mavs, as we're recording this, the Mavs with Kyrie did beat uh Kawhi and Paul George tonight, and they beat the Clippers in LA. Um and Kyrie scored twenty. Well, yeah, exactly. Without Luca, he was on the sideline. Uh, I just finished actually watching that game um, as we are recording this, but um, you know, played played fairly well, can fit right in. But you're absolutely right. High risk, high reward. We've seen what Kyrie ends up doing. Eventually, he gets you know one bad word said about him, or one little one little criticism, one little weird thing. He immediately shuts down. And, and kills the whole team. Um, I mean, there's so many people saying there's going to be a 30 for 30 about the about that Nets team. You know, and, and it, it very well could be. Um, but, I, you know, if Kyrie doesn't work out, I'm not 100% sure Luka would leave immediately. I, I think maybe them going to get Kyrie and then him not obviously going to L.A., which – Obviously, LeBron had a, a complete uh, hissy fit, meltdown, bitch fit on Twitter, um, which childish ass. But um, at that time, you know, I think for Luca, the Mavs are showing initiative to put people around him or at least to give it a shot. Um, when you have a generational talent like Luca Doncic, like, you know, he's still so young. How old is he? Like 20, 22, 23? Yeah. I like, oh, he's going to be incredible um, for years to come. He's not even probably even cl- cl- close to his prime yet um, for in terms of how good he could actually be. You know, I, I think that Dallas is a, is a great place for him. And uh, Dallas is obviously kind of known kind of like San Antonio is. And obviously the culture that Dirk inst- instilled in Dallas and, kind of the culture that maybe Tim Duncan instilled in San Antonio. I wouldn't be shocked to see Luca play his whole career in Dallas. Um, but I knew there would was be a, because a he's, threat. he's not built like Dirk. I mean, we we've seen him the way he complains, the way he flops and does things, you know, he's uh, he's immature at times. I love the way he plays. He's got a great game, but uh, I mean, 
his antics, he's he's not Dirk. He's 22, though. He is. But, I mean, okay, so I'm I'm more interested, too. And obviously, hindsight, 2020, yada, yada, yada. Where else does Luca go? Obviously, he can go anywhere. But what, from what you've seen from Luca off the court, where would would Luca thrive if not in Dallas? I think that you always have to keep the name brands in mind: the the Lakers, the Knicks, the Heat, the Celtics. I mean, he anyone's going to want Luca, and he could go form a super team wherever he wants. You know, I mean, so. We'll see, but here, here, here's what – before we, we move on and talk about some of these other trades, let me ask you this, Tom. If you had to guess right now, is this going to work or is this going to fail? Like, what do you think is the end game, the outcome of this pairing between Luka and Kyrie? Is this going to work? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why it's not going to work. It's Kyrie Irving. It really depends on her, his, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor, very bipolar, but from what I, from my just random observation as a normal average person, very bipolar, very mental illness. Like I'm not the first person to say that won't be the last, you know, who I would have liked to see. I would have liked to see in place in terms of talent wise, who I think maybe maybe a little less talent overall, but maybe a little bit less headache than Kyrie. And so you balance those two out, I think they would be equal. I would have much rather seen Donovan Mitchell and Luca together in Dallas. And I think that would have and could maybe work better than Kyrie and Luca in Dallas. I like Luca and Kyrie better than I do Luca and and Jalen Brunson. I think Kyrie is a much more talented player. Oh. Um, you know, Brunson had one or two good years, and he benefited off that. He he chased the bag, and I don't blame him. He what, twenty years from now, we won't be talking about Jalen Brunson. We'll still be talking about Kyrie and probably Donovan Mitchell. I think their ceiling is winning the West and going to the finals. Their floor is they barely make the playoffs and Kyrie leaves and Luca, you know, wants out and such. Uh, something tells me I lean towards that this is going, this experiment is going to work for now. We'll see what the end game is at the end of this, but I feel like these two, their playing styles, Luca, uh, Kyrie getting out of Brooklyn – uh, I think this can work. We'll see. What about uh, the blockbuster deal the Lakers did of moving on from Russell Westbrook, bringing in D'Angelo Russell, bringing him back to the L.A. Lakers? Tom, I felt like the Lakers won this deal, and it looks like they're going to keep Anthony Davis around. But even with that said here, the Lakers have so many problems I mean, D'Angelo Russell, that's this is not the life vest that's going to save the Lakers here. They're not going to win the West or you know even contend in the Western Conference because they brought in D'Angelo Russell. The the problems that exist in LA are, are bigger than D'Angelo Russell. It's a good trade, but I don't know how much it realistically moves the needle for them. 
I mean, yeah, the Lakers aren't going to do anything, even if they were to make the playoffs. Like, this doesn't move the needle at all. I think at that point, I think Westbrook was unhappy. You saw him, uh, I believe it was last night, um, which would have been technically Wednesday if you're listening. Um, or no, Tuesday if you're listening to this show on Thursday. Um, he played, obviously, with LeBron and closed out the game. Um, but him and a coach had a scuffle. They ended up dapping up after the game and making everything okay. Um, but but Westbrook leaving the Lakers has always kind of been a thing um, for the majority of the time he's been in. He was in L.A. It's fun. Well, I, I'm not gonna say it's funny. It's not funny. Um, as much as I love to say Westbrook and like, don't get baby ass hurt. Don't get your fucking panties in a wad. Because someone called you Westbrook, like like Westbrook, like get uh, at that point, get the fuck over yourself. You're making all this money and you're shit in the bed. That's what happens. If you don't like criticism, don't go to fucking L.A. <laughs> or don't really go anywhere. Don't be national spotlight. Like once you know, once age caught up to your athleticism, obviously took the father time hit. You're not going to be as good. You can't jack shots or dunk like you used to in Oklahoma City. I'm not going to play the the Oklahoma and love Westbrook. Let's welcome him back anytime. The shit part for Westbrook is he was traded to Utah. We already know if you if you follow the NBA at all, we already know how Russell Westbrook feels about Utah. Well, it sounds like the Jazz are about to buy him out, and Russ is going to be a free agent. I mean, yeah, because he's not going to end up in – he's not going to do well in Salt Lake City uh, either way. Like, he had that scuffle with the fan. Right. And was the, wrong. The last uh, – the big rumor was that Russ is open to staying in L.A. and going to the Clippers. That would be interesting. I mean, he is from that area. I mean, uh, Russ and Paul George didn't really work in Oklahoma City. Well, here's the thing, too. At this point, who would no one's going to pay him the money that he was making prior, right? I mean, unless he has just a um, a renaissance of some sorts. Like at this point, at this point, Russell Westbrook probably I don't know. I'd say sixty forty makes the Hall of Fame. Oh, only no, no, no. Russ only, is in. The, the triple doubles and all that get him in. What I'm, He's the first triple double. If it wasn't for the Oscar Robinson record, I, I, I to be honest with you, I don't think he will. I think he's going to be – I think he's our generation – well, I say our generation. Um, a little bit later generations, maybe Allen Iverson when we look back at him. Never I mean, will win it. Tony Kukoc and Ben Wallace made the Hall of Fame. I mean, Russ is going to be. I mean, that's fair. Ben, okay, Kukoc is good. Ben Wallace, Ben Wallace won some championships. Ben Wallace, Ben Wallace won one title and only went to four All Star games and was a first ballot Hall of Fame. Yeah, Ben Wallace made the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, okay, okay, and people could say, oh, Ginobili, but if you give me, if I had to pick. Obviously, I'm biased. I would pick Ginobili over Russell Westbrook all day. But that being said, that being said, Russell Westbrook is at a point in his career where his athleticism doesn't win him uh, what it used to. And essentially, he is 
the early 2000s rapper that is now playing casinos a la Nelly. Right. I think that's a good point. Um, with the Lakers, um, you know, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention LeBron breaking the scoring record. That was a big deal. Great accomplishment. Um, no question about it. Um, I mean, it's it, a record that, I mean, most people thought was never going to be broken. Kareem's record that stood for 39 years. That was a big deal. But an interesting point that he made in the post-game interview, Tom, was that LeBron still wants to compete for championships, and he feels like he has another title or two left in him. I'll say this. When when the talk of the town in L.A. is bringing back D'Angelo Russell, I mean, you got some problems. you got some issues. I think, Tom, that window for LeBron with the Lakers – of a title has closed. He got his Mickey Mouse title in the bubble, and that's it. I don't see any path, the way that team's structured, for them to be able to get another title. If LeBron's getting another title, it's going to be moving on somewhere else, whether he's a traded or free agency or or whatever it may be. If LeBron wants one more ring before he hangs it up, it's not going to be with the Lakers. And, and to be honest with you, the way the timeline's structured, the man's 38, um, the way it's structured, I, you know, he's taking care of his body. Um, kind of the same way Tom Brady is. His longevity is incredible. Um, but at the same time, eventually he can't be, uh, you know, Showtime, Laker, LeBron, like you mentioned, Mickey Mouse championship, whatever. The Lakers, as it's structured right now, um, well, like, like the Spurs right now, long term, are in a better place than the Los Angeles Lakers. Like the Lakers are about to go back to what they were at the end of Kobe's career. They're yeah. going to be after dog shit. Um, and just it, they've literally after that Mickey Mouse championship, they've literally been on on hospice since then. It, they're just prolonging the uh, the inevitable. The, yeah, they're prolonging the inevitable. They got to blow it up. You know, you look at look at the Pelicans, right? Look at that trade. Anthony Davis is still in a goddamn paycheck. Has been. I mean, look at his longevity. He's trash. Uh, you know, fuck Anthony Davis. Honestly, can I go? I almost want to go on a Scott Brooks, Anthony Davis rant. Fuck Anthony Davis. Anybody that says he's anywhere close to Tim Duncan is absolutely should be fucking kicked off a cliff. Um, fuck Anthony Davis. He's not anywhere near as good as Tim Duncan ever was. Um, and anybody making that comparison uh, can can literally suck my dick. Um, <laughs> with that being said, <laughs> like literally, like. Everyone, like, now that Russell Westbrook's gone, like, everybody in L.A. has to bitch about something, right? You always have to have something to bitch about. Always. That's Los Angeles. You always have to have a fucking scapegoat. Anthony Davis should be very afraid. Um, Because now that Westbrook is out of the picture, Anthony Davis is about to get the smoke. He's getting all of it. He's getting every bit of it. Um, because now that they don't, now they don't have Russell to be like, 
ah, uh, well, if Russell wasn't on this team, we're paying all this money. We, you know, we could be in playoff contention. Well, now you got D'Angelo Russell who bitched on every team that he has been on since the Lakers. Now he's back. Um, and, and now Anthony Davis ain't holding his end of the bargain up. Um, LeBron made R- Russell his scapegoat too. Well, who's next? It's Anthony right. Davis, baby. Uh, you know, at long term, you look at the Pelicans. Pelicans aren't bad, and Pelicans got that got that Lakers pick. Who's yeah. to say the Lakers don't crash? So we were just wrapping up this segment, and Tom and I were literally asking ourselves within the last few moments, "Where's Kevin Durant going to end up?" Well, Tom, we have that answer now. Kevin Durant is going to the Phoenix Suns in a major blockbuster deal. Uh, the Suns are sending Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, four first-round picks, a 2028 pick swap for Durant and TJ Warren. Wow, what a move as the Suns are going all in uh, with uh, this move. Remember, they were interested in Kevin Durant. Um beforehand uh last offseason that didn't work out and now they're going to do what they pulled the trigger gave up a ton to make this move tom you and i were talking uh literally minutes before this trade went down we said to ourselves you know the ashing price has probably gone down a little bit compared to what it was this past offseason it may have gone down a little bit but it didn't go down much did the suns Overpay for Kevin Durant here. Uh a little bit. Um, and you know, before we hop back on here and 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 knock this back out on the NBA, four first round picks and a pick swap. If the Suns don't win at least one championship out of this, if they don't at least win one, this this is. This is even worse. This is even worse than what the Nets did twice. I mean, the Nets essentially mortgaged their future twice. Um, you know, you know, obviously the first time to the Boston Celtics, and then the second time they mortgaged it was to different, you know, several different teams. Um, but yeah, now the onus. We we talked about it. Um, now that we're recording this like part of it back after we talked about it while the trade was going down we talked about what the nets did in mortgaging and we talked about oh wow at the beginning of this segment dallas mortgaged a decent amount to get Kyrie. is that experiment gonna work crazy how things change that quickly now it's on the suns now it's on the suns it's gotta be on the suns that's a whole lot i mean the suns have to win I would say minimum of two ships here for that to be credible, like for that to be worth it. Uh, I, I mean, what's your what's your minimum here? Are they going to win? Like, does this put them over the hump this year? Is are the Suns the new favorite immediately? I mean, I'll say this though, Tom, they gave all that money to DeAndre Ayton, and DeAndre Ayton has regressed. He hasn't been as good. I mean, to, to win the West in these moves that are made here, DeAndre Aiden's got to step up. Maybe they're believing 
that, uh, you know, Kevin Durant is going to bring some of it out of DeAndre Ayton here. But, I mean, that's where, I mean, Kevin Durant we know is is as good as any player in, in basketball when he's healthy. But, I mean, is DeAndre Ayton going to be able to put it all together here? That remains to be seen. I mean, yeah, I don't, I, you know, and I don't know, and all that stuff that went down last year. You know, the Pacers offered him, and and it took into the to the last golden hour for the Suns to say, ah, you know what, double down on that. We'll pay him whatever the Pacers were going to, and keep him, and not let him leave. Um, and then to four first round picks. So it'll be interesting to see when I go back and look at this. What was the asking price for Kevin Durant before the Kyrie trade? Like in this past offseason when there was rumors about KD going to Phoenix, what was that? Was asking price higher than what they just paid? That's a lot. That's nuts. That's this is uh, nuts uh, for this deal to go down the way it is. Uh I'm just I'm just sitting here shocked, Tom. I mean, and folks that are listening right now, you're you're seeing our real authentic reaction. Uh, we're taping this as we found out in real time on uh, on Thursday morning, Wednesday night. Yeah, um, just crazy. And uh, you look at at the West now that the Suns there. Um, let's uh, let, let's see what they do. I mean, and then. Like Chris Paul, that's the other thing, too. This guy almost got traded. Chris Paul, uh, you know, almost got shipped off here in uh, in, in one of these uh, trade packages uh, that the, uh, the Suns offered for Kyrie Irving. Now they get Kevin Durant here. I mean, let's see what he can do to put together like this. What does Chris Paul still have left at this point, too, potentially, is – is there going to be a fall off here? Can can Chris Paul at this juncture make this work too? I mean, this is the pressure's on uh, for Phoenix to to really just get this all figured out right now. Yeah, and not to mention, you know, they have no time to waste. Like literally and, this year. Yeah, and and at most next year. Like, you know, I give a lot more leeway to the Dallas Mavs for next year than I do the Suns. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, we 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 talked about it too before. What would you mortgage that would end up costing you at the end at an equal value? Like you, Cam Johnson's been on the trade block for a while. I feel like, but you you take Mikel Bridges, who is I don't know third third wheel before KD was on that team, third wheel in Phoenix. Well. Yeah, well, we just talked about how much Aiton sucked this year. I would say Chris Paul, or well, I'd say Booker, Chris Paul. Then you would say Mikel Bridges, or you could say Aiton. So he's third or fourth. You trade Bridges away, um, which is never a good thing to do. You never want to trade a Bridges, I promise you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you never do. Um, so now you trade all this away. You trade some... You know, Cam Johnson, sure, that's just mm, – that's filler. But you trade Bridges away, who's a pretty solid player for you, and you trade all these picks. They have to win this year. 
Yeah. And and could they have done the same thing? That's my thing with Phoenix right now. Could they have traded the same? Could this trade package have happened in October? Yeah. Could this happen? I mean, I mean, like I like, you know, if you if we listen to the recording back, I said I thought the price got lower for KD. <laughs> How much the price actually got lowered here? Not much at all. Yeah. It's, this is a big move. Um, 500 off the MSRP and maybe threw in like a $25 Visa gift card. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, dear Lord, the Suns. I mean, I listen, I know the Suns have been dog shit for a while. and don't, I mean, I, I'm trying to think. Did the Suns have a championship? Barkley never won one. Steve Nash never did. Um, all these great Phoenix teams. Uh, Just you know, watch. Based on Phoenix's history, they're going to find a way to still not get the rose here. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. And and you know, I. I, I mean, are they better that, than Denver right now? With this I mean, move, are they better than the Denver Nuggets? I probably say no right now. To be honest, I'd say uh, KD plays top tier. I'd say equal, but you know Denver always finds a way to kind of choke it out too. That's true. Um, they, they they also never get the rose either. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're. I mean, we are destined for a second round Denver Phoenix matchup. <laughs> if if one of them gets to the finals, be like really, uh, this is this how this works? Um, well, with that uh, wild NBA news at the uh, trade deadline here. Uh, our Big 12 breakdown coming up next. Uh, we will take a look around the Big 12 conference. Derek Haglund going to stop by, talk Super Bowl, and some more KU and Big 12 talk. Also, Coach Bo standing by as well. Uh, so don't miss out on that. We'll have Tom Fuller at the end of the show. It is time for our Big 12 breakdown, a comprehensive look around the Big 12 conference. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges here with you. Tom, we begin every week with our uh, hot takes. Here's my hot take. I don't think you've ever heard this one before, Tom. Um, I think that it is settled. It is figured out of who the Big 12 will be sending to the NCAA tournament. I think there are eight teams that are going to go. It will be Texas, Iowa State, Kansas State, Baylor, KU, Oklahoma State, TCU, and West Virginia. I don't think Oklahoma and Texas Tech are going to make the tournament at this point. Both teams are at 500. OU's 2-9 in league play. Texas Tech's 1-10 in league play. I don't think either team's bad. There's just not enough wins to go around in a league that's as stacked as the Big 12 is. OU and Texas Tech would probably make the tournament in almost any other league, but on just the way the cookie crumbles, I guess, in their case. Uh, Tom, what do you think of that take this week? Uh, those eight teams headed to the, the tournament, signed, still delivered, OU and Texas – or OU and Texas Tech – out no i believe it you know and oh which which is which, which is funny because okay oh you had a great sec challenge win over alabama one of the one of the better wins in across all of college basketball really all season when you look at talent wise and when you look at you know i wouldn't even say talent wise because big 12 is better than the sec but um, talent wise, and just overall in general, I mean, oh, you blew the doors off of them, 
And ever since that, in these past two weeks, uh, OU's looked lost. Like they, it's uh, like that was their Super Bowl of of sorts. Like they have a hangover now, and right. have, have have lost multiple games. Um, you mentioned Tech at the time we're recording this. OSU beat them tonight. Um, you know, their past couple of years has not been easy. After obviously losing Chris Beard to Texas, um, which. Granted, that might not have mattered either way because now we know where Chris Beard's at. But that being said, no, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, OSU right now is going on on quite of a tear. They're playing good when it matters. And uh, despite losing Avery Anderson to a season-ending wrist injury, OSU's look quite well. They do play Iowa State this weekend. That will be a very good determining factor on where this Oklahoma State's team stands. But I couldn't say any different on on your prediction for who gets in in the Big Twelve. I think it's spot on. What's uh, what's your hot take this week, Tom? Hot take this week for Big Twelve basketball or or football. You can go whatever you're feeling. I'm trying to have football. Not too many storylines, I guess, right now. Hot take. I don't know. If I like. I like your hot take, and I wouldn't even necessarily call it – well, we agree on a lot, but we also disagree on a lot. But one thing that we agree on is is your your take right there. So maybe a little less hot than, than that. But um, hot take here. Let's look – I'm ready to look back at it in, in about two months. Uh, Oklahoma State makes the tournament, and uh, – Wins wins their first game in the tournament since I don't know how long. Too long, <laughs> right? I mean, Boyden Boyden finally uh, checks a box. You know, he just hit a hundred wins. He finally checks a box here for uh, a much needed box for this OSU team. That's my prediction. OSU makes the tournament and and gets at least to the round of thirty two. Okay. Um. Yeah, I could see that. I, I we'll uh, we'll see what happens, but it would be big for Oklahoma State if they found a way to win uh, an NCAA tournament game. The uh, Big Twelve standings: Kansas got the win over Texas on Big Monday, but Texas still leads the league standings by a game. They're at eight and three. Iowa State's at seven and four. Kansas State's at seven and four. As is Baylor and Kansas, and. Uh, then you have Oklahoma State and TCU are at six and five, West Virginia at four and seven, all within striking distance, uh, all the way down to TCU. Tom, um, you know, I, I take example, you know, Kansas are the team I watch the most, obviously. And and, and I guess I would apply this even to, to Baylor and 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 Iowa State, Texas, whatever. I mean, we've seen about every team in the Big 12. Go through a lull, go through a slump of some sorts. Um, you know, Baylor, it was early on in Big 12 play when they lost like three in a row. Kansas, when they lost, what was it, four or five or something like that. And I think with every one of those teams, we were saying to ourselves, oh my gosh, this team, they can't figure it out. They got problems. And then they get on a run and things start to look better. And what I, I reminded myself had to say was, like, okay, 
this league is just damn good. I mean, I think what happened, what's happened in the tournament the last couple of years, and that which should come to fruition again, there's right now, there's not a Big 12 team that's a one seed if the tournament were to start today. But you have a lot of teams that are battle tested, that are very good, but are going through a gauntlet of a schedule. They're just getting beat up. And some of those tournament games in the first few rounds are going to be easier than playing Big 12 games. We saw that in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, that these Big 12 schools were relieved to be playing SEC teams compared to their own here. Don't My, my, my thing is this, Tom. Don't read too much into that you don't have a one seed right now because these teams, I think, are better than what their record indicates. And I would be shocked if the Big 12 somehow doesn't have a Final Four team. I don't know if it's Kansas, Texas, Baylor, K-State, Iowa State, who it is. But I would be shocked if when it's all said and done, there isn't a Final Four team here. Last week I said my hot take was K-State making the Final Four, I believe. Yeah. Oh, I will go ahead and stick with that. I mean, I would love it for it to be. I would love for it to be Oklahoma State, but let, like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm not counting my chickens before the hatch. I'd be happy with one tournament winner at this point. Um, Oklahoma State is like seven and one in their last eight. Um, they do have Iowa State and then KU and then yeah, yeah they're they're it's not easy. The rest of uh, Feb- but but let's be real. The rest of February for any Big Twelve team. Is not easy, but Jones, you're absolutely right. It doesn't matter, like, like if one of these teams is a five or six or seven. I'm gonna have seven pushing it, but if we get a four, five, six Big Twelve team making the Final Four, it's not that's not surprising. I mean, you know, I love bracketology as much as the next person, and I get the rankings and I get the win loss, but in terms of I don't feel like strength of schedule up to a conference point is not the same as it is maybe in football. Um, The big 12 does not get the treatment that the sec does not even close when you talk about football versus basketball. If, If Big 12 got the treatment that the sec football does, it would be, it would be complete. We would not even be having this conversation. I agree. Um, last thing on, on Big 12 hoops, and then I want to talk some realignment stuff here real quick. Um, I was thinking about this, Tom. You could make a case for probably four or five guys that could all say they're the best player in this league. But what is the right answer? I mean, even Kansas alone, Jalen Wilson is having a better year than Grady Dick, but Grady Dick's going to be the one that's picked probably top 10 in the draft. I mean, look at Marcus Carr at Texas. He's been awesome. Flagler at Baylor's been great. Johnson at K-State's been awesome here. Um, you know, Miles at TCU's been great, too. I lean towards Jalen Wilson's been the best player this year. But, I mean, what's the correct answer? Who Who is the best or who has been your favorite player in the Big 12 uh, so far this season? You know, that's hard for me um, because I guess I am so biased. Um, you know, if I, had to, if I had to pick my favorite player this year, biases included, I'd, I'd probably, before the injury, I probably would have picked Avery Anderson for Oklahoma State. 
and then I would probably pick Caleb Boone. But uh, Grady Dick, man, he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, it's he's he, you can't – I don't feel like you can hate Grady Dick. He's got the best pro potential, I think, of anybody in the league. I mean, he's a pretty cool cat. I mean, I'd probably lean towards him, but there's like – like I said, there's so many deserving people in the Big 12. Like it's you can't really just say, okay, I'm going to pick one. Right. Uh, any given night, it could be a, a, a large majority of players. Yeah. Um. I mean, well, and that's what makes it so good. Big 12 so good. I mean, right now you got to say Grady Dick. So you look at that big Monday game, right? That was one of the I feel like one of the better games. Texas had the lead for a while. KU came back, ended up getting the dub. Um Grady Dick, I think team high for at least KU, 20 or something like 20 21 points. Um right. and, and fueled that and you know, uh is where does when this all goes down, when it all ends obviously for Grady Dick, where where do you put him is is he in the greats? Is he up there with the the Morris twins? Is he up there with with Paul Pierce? Is he up there with Chalmers? Where is he at? Um, hard to say <laughs> without uh, seeing you know what the end result is going to be this year. But uh, he's uh, he's something special. I'm not going to put that on him yet. But uh, watch out. Uh, I think he's something else uh, for sure. Uh, let's talk realignment real fast. Uh, before we bring in Derek Hagelin here. Tom, um, so a lot has been made of what's going on in uh, you know Big 12 expansion here. Things have certainly picked up, it seems, in the last couple of weeks. Rumors are out there that some of the Pac-12 member schools are unhappy with uh, the idea of Amazon uh, being the lead stakeholder of Pac-12 games and that there's less money that they had hoped for. And so that brings the Big 12 back into the fold and maybe beyond just the four corner schools, but potentially Oregon and Washington as well, as it looks like the Big 10 is probably done with expansion. Let's start there in the Pac-12 end of things, Tom. If, if I'm the Big 12, uh, you know, when, when they're ready for that invitation, you hand it, you shake your hands, you welcome them in. If Oregon and Washington all of a sudden are interested and want to come with the other four, uh, bonk, uh, then yeah, then uh, you bring them in too. Whatever it may be, you figure it out and go from there. Um, to me, it's that's that's what I'm looking at. Is you know you 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 get what you can get and and hope that it works out. Um, now the Pac-12 could still find a way to save their league potentially, but. I think the Big 12 needs to be pounding that door and doing everything they can to try to get those four corner schools, potentially Oregon and Washington as well. And and they might just be able to do that here. I think Oregon and Washington are kind of a home run swing. Obviously, you want those teams. That's cool. Um, I, I, think, I think realistically we're looking at, I don't know, maybe Big 12 picking up Colorado. And then you're going to get Arizona. And you'll, will you be happy with that? If that's, you know, if that, if those are your two teams coming back, 
one obviously being Colorado coming back to the Big 12 is will will that work? I think that's uh very realistic. I'm more interested Jones in if I had to pick, okay, you got Oregon and Washington as a fan as like forget about money, forget forget about all that. Um in terms of being a business as a fan if I had to pick Oregon or Washington, most Big 12 fans would probably say, well, give me Oregon. Um, and I would have to tend to agree. But another player I don't think that, that is being mentioned that I think could be a p- potential or a possibility, what if you bring in Utah? Where's, where's Utah? Utah? One of those four corner schools we've talked about, yeah. I, I guess you could say that, but if I had to pick one, of the remaining schools to join, I wouldn't pick Oregon or Washington. I wouldn't, I would pick obviously Arizona or Colorado. Give me Utah and, and let's make, let's make the big 12, the damn religious institution. Let's have the Holy war and the Baptist versus the Methodist. Give me that. I want the Holy war. And I, and you know, I've always wanted to go see it in person. That's on the list, and that's up there for me with yeah. Michigan State. And I, mean, I, I get where you're coming at, but like, I'd rather have Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado. I mean, Utah's fine. Uh, they're a good athletic program, but um, I mean, you're already in the state of Utah with BYU. I mean, what what does that do for you? You know, you all want to expand the footprint as much as possible. Spread it I out. Mean, I mean, so, I mean, at that point, if you do get Oregon or Washington or both, um, you know, I, you know, at this point, the Pac-12 is it's going to die. Yeah, and it doesn't look like the Big Ten is interested in doing any more expansion. You might be able to pick and choose whatever you want from the Pac-12. And, and, and so, at this point, you know, previous conversations we had about maybe San Diego State being an option to join at, at this point with this news released that that's all but that's all but finished well um, and um the i guess the last update that came across this past week was that uh San Diego State is close to joining the Pac-12 at the Pac-12 uh their media rights deal uh will likely have to wait until they add new members. The uh, Pac-12 commissioner was visiting SMU on Wednesday and that they're looking at San Diego State and SMU. Um, I don't think that moves the needle. I don't think that's going to save the conference. That puts a Band-Aid on things for a bit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if those six schools want to leave, I don't think they're staying because you added San Diego State and SMU. Um I think the Pac-12 still in, is in a lot of trouble at this point in time. And if you're the Big 12, if you have an opportunity to get those six, the four corner schools of Arizona, Arizona State, Utah and Colorado, and Oregon and Washington, or any combination of whatever it may be, you get as much as you can. I don't care about those other Pac-12 schools, the other four that are still on the board. Those six, you will take gladly and figure it out from there. So at that point, what happens to who's left? Cal, Stanford, um, Oregon State, and Washington State. And where do they? So 
I, I, I mean, obviously, Big 12 gang here. I mean, fuck them. They, they put the Big 12 on a death notice, and we flipped the table on their ass. Um, right. So what happened? But I, I do kind of like Wazoo a little bit. I, and then obviously, I like Oregon State. Colors are the same. Obviously, they're another four, you know, another OSU. What, in your opinion, and you know probably a little bit more of this than I do, um, what, where do they go? Is that the new American conference? I think they go to the Mountain West <laughs> or, or something like that, you know? I mean, so, so um, essentially, I would say 75 25 right now, we see what we know it as the death of the Power Five when this goes down. Yeah, it goes so, to a Power Four, right? So, and then the Pac 12 rebrands or those teams join they either add crappy programs like you know your your san diego states your smus of the world and try to make do with what you have or they go to the mountain west something like that take over the mountain west pretty quickly yeah the other thing that's being talked about is that brett yormark is apparently very interested in some basketball-only members. We know about the Gonzaga flirtation, and that was brought up in Big 12 meetings this past week. But apparently there's been talk of a of going to the East Coast and adding St. John's, Villanova, UConn, and Georgetown for the basketball side, and potentially moving the Big 12 tournament to New York and playing at Madison Square Garden. That's now that's still a ways off, but it's at least been thrown out there. Now, I'll say this that sounds fun, that sounds exciting, but we've seen leagues that try to prioritize basketball in the past, like the Big East and the ACC, and it didn't work. It sounds fun in theory, but when you put it to action, it hasn't necessarily been something that that works. That's what history tells us. Um, like I said, sounds exciting, but. I have my doubts on just how that would come to fruition and how you could, you know, everyone could turn a profit of sorts and uh, and make that work uh, as far as that goes. But uh, nonetheless, it would certainly be entertaining if you could find a way. The other part of that is you'd have to get Fox, I think, to help you out. Remember, ESPN is kind of carrying the load for this next Big 12 contract. Fox has a deal with the Big East. And... Fox is about to add some Big 12 basketball games. Basically, I think you would need Fox to do some convincing of, hey, you know, pay us a little bit more money, and then you don't need the Big East anymore. We got the Big East covered for you, and they don't have to do business with the Big East anymore and have the Big East teams they want in the Big 12. Tom, what do you think about the idea of of, uh, adding some basketball schools besides just Gonzaga but going out east? I mean, yeah, and if, you know, if I, I think this plays a little bit hand in hand with the football, right? If, as the Big Twelve, you can add Washington and Oregon, you know, if if you can home run swing it and get arguably the two biggest, the two obviously bigger schools in the Pac twelve left, you can add those along with the four corner schools out west then you already have the footprint there. And then especially having Washington already, 
if you can say, yeah, well, we got Washington in football. Well, obviously it would be football and basketball and all the other sports. But if you could say, well, we got them, might as well just add Gonzaga for basketball. That would be huge. I mean, obviously Gonzaga would for basketball would be a home run swing. Um, out east, you know, when you you mention out east in terms of basketball schools, I think the potential definitely is there. I think it could happen. Um, but there's not so much happening on the east in terms of football that seems that's driving the Big Twelve currently in in, in terms of expansion. Um, you know when we think of expansion in the big 12 and this, I don't know, maybe you think of it a little bit differently, but when I think of expansion for the big 12, what comes to mind first is football. Um, because expansion for in the means of football in today's world means a lot more. We don't, we don't think of expansion in terms of college basketball, like we do for football, at least in the past, I don't know, 10 years. Um, And the Big 12 currently obviously has West Virginia. And, you know, we all love Huggy Bear. Uh, he's a great guy. We hope you build a fence and drink a 30-pack with you. Um, but I don't. I, I think it's better. I, I, I think the Big 12 um, out west, when you talk about football and basketball going hand-in-hand hand, um, for big brand Big 12, uh, I think Big 12 right now, it serves them a little bit better, you know, maybe better of a purpose to do that out West gold rush. Um, yeah, like but, if, if if you get the gold rush out West, there's no need at all to be trying to push for those basketball schools out East. Um, I mean, you even, even Gonzaga, there'd be no need for you. If you get four or six out West, that's your league. Everybody's a full-time member. Go with that. Um, I think the going with getting the basketball schools out east is kind of or and Gonzaga is kind of your backup plan of sorts if you don't find what you want in the Pac-12. Oh, wholeheartedly agree. And then at that point, if you conquer, if you if you conquer the you know the Western expansion, uh, at that point, um, even if you don't get the East. At that point, when you look across just the entire United States, well, oh, man, you got better part of five-eighths of the entire whole U.S. Right. It's like you're playing uh, the game Risk. Um, yeah. yeah, it's exactly like that. And we've heard Brett Yormark say he wants to make the Big 12 a national brand. You would have a national conference at that point. Um, but, well, yeah, they- I mean, I, the the – the basketball schools out east, I mean, like, here's here's the thing, Tom. Like, there gets to a point when you have too many teams. You can't add four or six Pac-12 schools as full-time members and then four more basketball members with, you know, the, the three or four out east and then Gonzaga, whatever it may be. Like, I, I'm just going to tell you this right now. The Big 12 is not going to have a basketball league with 22 or 23 members. I mean, it's not happening. It's impossible, and the travel would be crazy, and just scheduling and everything. I mean, at at this point, you take a little bit of what you can get, but then you also have to go with the Charmin approach. I like to call it the Charmin approach, which essentially translates to quality over quantity. Right. I think it's 
it's a two it's a two path choice that happens here. Either the Big Twelve adds those Pac twelve schools and goes west, and everyone's full time member. That's Plan A. That's that's the plan executed in motion. If that doesn't happen, then Plan B is to go get the basketball schools and build a basketball brand and have them as basketball only members. I think that they the two plans can't coexist together. It's either one or the other. Right, with the first priority obviously being football-minded Western expansion. Right. Yeah, we're on the same page there. Uh, Derek Hacklin is going to join us next. Uh, Coach Bo going to stop by later on. Tom Fullery uh, coming up at the end of the show as well. Stick around. Stay with us here on the Jones Report. Join us now on the Jones Report this week. It is our good friend Derek Haglin, who is now uh, taking over as the uh, beat writer for Kansas football and basketball for the season ticket. KU the Hill is the site. And uh, he was with us filling in for Thomas Bridges a couple weeks ago, but we're having him on as a guest this week to uh, promote that, talk some Kansas athletics, and also uh, the Chiefs in the uh, Super Bowl. And he joins us right now. Derek, uh, we said you'd have some exciting news, and uh, you delivered. Uh, congrats again, my man, and uh, tell us uh, what's going on with the site. Thank you, man. Very, very excited, um, you know, for legality reasons and everything a couple of weeks ago when I was on. Couldn't really talk about it just yet. Um, I mean, you knew a little bit about it, but I couldn't go into full details until um, I signed the contract and we got everything going. But, yeah, the season ticket's going to be um, – I think it's kind of the way of the future. You know, there's websites like 247 Sports and Rivals and, um, you know – I don't feel like those sites are very user interactive. Um, we're going to have a lot of stuff in terms of high school football and basketball recruiting where, you know, if there's a guy who's uh, got Kansas uh, in his top five for, for high, for basketball, you're going to be able to go and see what his season long statistics are, see what he had that night. Um, you know, let's say it's Ochai Abaji and Oak Park is, um, you know, playing Staley and Ochai went for 35, seven and six the night before. You're going to be able to see that. Um, you don't get that all the time at the other websites. Um, so that's something that that that's really interactive, um, user friendly and everything. So I'm really excited, you know, coming on at a at a great time. Kansas football is on the rise with Lance Leipold. Um, and then, you know, you've got. Um, you know, the basketball team looking to try to stay in the hunt for the Big 12. So a lot of great things uh, going on right now at the University of Kansas, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. That's great, uh, for sure. And uh, the, the season ticket, uh, how can people subscribe and uh, be a part of what you guys are doing? What's what's the offer out there right now? Yeah, so it's $9.99 or $9.95 a month. You go to the seasonticket.com. You can go to the fan site. You, you, go, you scroll down. Once you get to the season tickets website, you scroll down to the where it says fan sites. Click on Big 12. You'll see the Jayhawk, the KU logo. Um, and then you can click on there, and then that'll get you a bunch of the great content that I'm going to be pumping out. We're going to have a podcast every week. Um, it's going to be called This Week on the Hill. Obviously, the, the KU website is called KU the Hill. Um, so very much so looking forward to that. Um, and getting that going and you know you'll probably be making an appearance or two on that in the near future the uh i like the site name being the hill because uh i can tell you this much uh somebody that went there uh i spent many a days walking uh said hill and uh, about the only hill i think that exists in uh northeast kansas but uh it is uh, quite the site uh a good yeah. identity uh, of that campus there Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you know anything about the University of Kansas, you know the only hills that are in Kansas, period, 
are the hills on the campus at, at, at KU, um, which is so funny because the state is flat. Right. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Derek, we'll touch more on uh, KU uh, later uh, towards the end of the segment here. But uh, I want to talk about the uh, the Super Bowl here. Chiefs and Eagles. Chiefs are back here once again. And uh, for you, Derek, as a, a Chiefs fan, I know this one uh, – not just uh, for rooting interest, but uh, from a personal side, you always uh, mean something when the Chiefs get back to this point. Yeah, you know, this is something, um, you know, my dad's anniversary of his passing um, is is today. Um, and so it always falls right around the time of, of, of the Super Bowl. And, you know, my grandfather and our family had season tickets to the Chiefs for 40 years. Uh, my brother and I are both named after Chiefs players. Obviously, I'm named after Derek Thomas. That, that gives it away. That's pretty easily. Brother was named after JT Smith, um, receiver for the Chiefs in the 80s. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I would have conversations with my grandfather after my dad passed about, you know, if these guys could just get to one Super Bowl, if they could get to one AFC championship, you know, how special it would be. And and for the fact that, you know, these guys are in the Super Bowl for the third time in four years is is pretty amazing because it's not supposed to be like this. It's it's a lot harder than how they've made it look. So um, you know, I know that we're living in the glory years. Um, and 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 I'm appreciative for every moment of it. Yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, I mean, uh, you you've had your your story told. Uh, people can find that. I think that's right on your uh, your Twitter page as well, so people can uh, kind of get the uh, inside story. But uh, certainly uh, happy for you and another yeah. uh, Super Bowl and and the Chiefs being in this position, Derek. Uh, I mean, here they are again, and somehow keep getting disrespected or put under the radar, you know, five straight AFC championship games, their third Super Bowl appearance in the last four years. Um, I mean, this team about them, the the way that they've just found a way to be here in this position every year, the New England Patriots were that team for quite some time, but it seems like that the – the, the, the team that's taken the mantle of some sorts. I know there's only one Super Bowl to show for, but if, if you want to win that Lombardi trophy, no matter what, I mean, every year you pretty much have to expect you got to go through Kansas City. Yeah, especially on the AFC side. Um, you know, the disrespect thing, I – I get what you're saying and where you're coming from. I think more so anything than this year, it's been doubt because they traded Tyreek Hill, who was a key piece to their offense. You know, he's arguably a top three to four wide receiver in the league. Um, we all know how dynamic of a playmaker he is. He had an unbelievable season down um, down in Miami with the Dolphins, but they needed to trade him to get the draft capital to rebuild and revamp the defense the way that they have. Brett Veach said last year, said said after last year when they lost to the Bengals um, in overtime in the AFC Championship for a chance to go to a third straight Super Bowl, he said that was the moment that I realized we were going to have to make some tough decisions because I realized, Veach said, he goes, I realized that we're not going to win games outscoring everybody and putting up points on offense just because we have Patrick Mahomes. He said, I needed, I realized I needed to put a better all around team around him. We needed to get depth at more positions instead of having such a top heavy wide receiver room 
with Tyreek Hill, he wanted to go out and add depth. That's why he brought in guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, drafted a guy like Sky Moore, signed a guy um, in Justin Watson uh, to come in. And then he used that draft capital to get younger and more athletic on the defense, drafted Trent McDuffie in the first round, drafted George Karloftis in the first round at defensive end. You know, these guys had eight rookies who played significant time in the AFC championship game. And I don't think if anybody would have been told that before the season started when they were in training camp, that with all of that, they'd end up back in the Super Bowl, there would have been a lot of doubt. And it just goes to show you how great Mahomes is, obviously, how great Andy Reid is, but just the culture that this team has that's been in place since Andy Reid walked in the door 10 years ago uh, to take over as head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs because, you know, they've got three rookies who took their lumps during um, – during the regular season, you know, Josh Williams had a bad game against uh, against Buffalo. He gave up two big touchdowns. Um, you know, Jalen Watson at times did not look good um, in the game. Then you also, you know, parlay that to Watson had a huge interception in the AFC championship game against Joe Burrow. Joshua Williams had a huge interception in the AFC championship game. Watson also had an interception against Trevor Lawrence in the, in the divisional round. And now these guys are, are playing very well and playing at a high level to where Spagnola trusts them, which Tyler, in your time when you were around the chiefs and in Kansas city, living in the Lawrence area, he was hesitant. He wouldn't play a guy like Brian Cook a lot. He would play Dan Sorensen, or he wouldn't play Leo Chanel or Darius Harris at linebacker. He would play guys like Ben Neiman. You know, he wouldn't play the young athletic guys who might make a, a mistake and it could cost you a game early. But right. this year they really had no choice. They had to play the young guys. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, how the roster was assembled, kind of, kind of backtracking just a little bit here. I mean, you look at the, the team that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago there in Kansas City. I mean, you had Patrick Mahomes, Frank Clark, Chris Jones, McCole Hardman, Travis Kelsey. But really, other than those five, I mean, this is almost a completely different roster when they won it a few years ago. I mean, credit to where credit's yeah. due of what Brett Veach has done. I know we love to give Andy credit, rightfully so, but yeah. Brett Veach, to assemble this roster the way they have uh, – I mean, the scouting department and company has done a really good job to maintain success here. Yeah, and 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 Brett Veach is a guy who who it, it's crazy. You know, he was known as an aggressive guy the first couple of years that Patrick Mahomes was a starter. But I think a lot of that is because of the fact that Patrick Mahomes was on a rookie deal and he knew he could be aggressive. And now he knew that Mahomes, once he transitioned into that contract of making major money, he needed to back off the aggressiveness of going for it, getting these high price guys, paying these high dollar tags to bring in talent to help these guys win win a Super Bowl and he's nailed the last two drafts. I, I I think you could argue that the Chiefs have, if you are doing the 2021 draft class and the 2022 draft class, the Chiefs probably have the most impactful draft class. You have Isaiah Pacheco, who's the starting running back as a rookie about to play in the Super Bowl, who was a seventh round pick. You know, Trey Trey Smith in 2021 was a sixth round pick. He's been their starting right guard since the day he walked into the building. Creed Humphrey um, it was an all pro center this year. He's arguably the best center in the league. And then, you know, you, you, you pair that with this year's additions of Trent McDuffie, George Karloftis, Brian Cook, Joshua Williams, um, 
you know, Isaiah Pacheco, Jalen Watson, Nazi Johnson, Leo Chanel, all those guys played in the AFC championship. The guy really in the draft class from this past year that really hasn't done much is Darian Kennard. But to basically be nine out of 10 on your picks where guys have contributed in the season where you make the Super Bowl is unreal. Oh, it is. It's unbelievable. Uh, to say the least, this team is uh, in this uh, position once again. And, you know, I, I look specifically, you know, think about that running back spot with Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, here, here's a guy, Derek, that, you know, the, the running back spot a couple of years ago, you had the Kareem Hunt deal. Obviously, things went haywire there. And then, you know, they they go to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and, you know, Clyde wasn't what he was made out to be. Uh, right. Pacheco has just been awesome this year, was, was not supposed to have this type of impact, and here he is being exactly what the Chiefs need at that running back position. I, I, I've never seen a guy who was the darling of camp where everybody absolutely loved him the way that people were hyping him up in training camp. And then eventually as the season progressed, damn, this guy's pretty good. It's like he's their starting running back. You know, you wouldn't have seen that at all. And everybody knows about camp darlings and everything. And he was that, but not only was he the camp darling, he's delivered on being the starting running back in the Super Bowl. Granted, you know, he's a, he's a great combination with Jarek McKinnon as well. Jarek McKinnon's a, a far better pass protector than Isaiah Pacheco is. But, I mean, it's just unreal the the riches that it just seems like this offense seems to keep finding. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable to uh, say the least there. When you look at the other side with this Eagles team, Derek, they are such a complete football team when you look at a historically good – defensive line, you know, front seven that has 16 more sacks than any other team in the NFL. That pass rush has just been outstanding this year. Uh, two great receivers with uh, with Waddle and A.J. Brown, a really good quarterback and Jalen Hurts. Running game's been solid all year. Boston Scott and company. I mean, there's not one thing the Eagles don't do well. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for Kansas City facing this Philadelphia team? I think it's going to be the RPO in the run game. This game, honestly, is reminding me a lot of the Super Bowl in 2019 where, you know, aside from Mahomes, you know, the Niners had the better roster because obviously we all know Mahomes is better than than Garoppolo. And and that San Francisco team was very, very good. I I, I think there's a lot of – I want to say it's probably a little bit of being overblown about, yes, the Eagles do have a very good roster. Um, Their defensive line is very good. A lot of their sacks have come against bad quarterback play. And I think a lot of that is on the fact of who they played. You know, the Carson Wentz's, the Jared Goff's, the Daniel Jones. They haven't played a guy or an offense like Mahomes and what the Chiefs can possess. The, the 49ers this year were the number one defense in the league. And Patrick Mahomes went 25 of 34 for 423 and three touchdowns against them and put 44 points up on the board. Um, 
you know, that that pass rush that the Eagles have is 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 very good. But for them to go from last year from 29 sacks to 70 is 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 very remarkable. I think the biggest thing when it comes to attacking that is, you know, Mahomes is a guy who in on the season has only been sacked 26 times. So what's going to give on that? Is it going to be the Eagles sack numbers or is it going to be the Chiefs, um, you know, how they don't give up sacks? You know, I, I think Mahomes is going to be probably relatively close to healthy um for this for this super bowl um with his ankle um and then you flip it over i I think the chiefs defense is getting severely underestimated because of the fact of the offense that they play with you know chris jones dominated that game against the Bengals, and i understand they had three backup offensive linemen in there but my biggest question with the Eagles is I, I do think that you see Jalen Wentz wincing a little bit when he tries to throw because of that shoulder injury. But if Philly can't play from in front and can't rely on their run game and they're struggling and let's see what happens if they have to play, if they have to pass eight out of 10 plays or it's hard for them to rely on the run, because if I'm the Chiefs, I would sell out against the run. Yeah. I really would. I, I, I wouldn't play as much cover, too. I would I would trust my corners a little bit. Um, especially since Legarius Sneed is out of concussion protocol and going to play, I would trust them to be on an island a little bit more. Um, and then you got to prepare to sell out for for that that RPO option style run game that Philadelphia um, is so good at. And you got to hope that your backers can can hit the holes and not hesitate because if you have somebody going the wrong gap, Philadelphia and Jalen Hurts or Miles Sanders is going to take a huge advantage. Um, of that, but I, I mean, I really, I, I like the Chiefs' defensive line in this. I know Philly's offensive line is is really good. I, I think that's where it's going to be won or lost. Is you know what's what's going to happen, particularly on that side of the ball, because I do believe that the Chiefs are going to be able to move the ball on this Eagles defense, especially if they want to line up and try to play zone um, like they do a lot. And I think the Chiefs in this instant on defense can take what they learned from playing the Bengals just two weeks ago because A.J. Brown's a phenomenal talent. He's a bigger body than a Jamar Chase or a T. Higgins. He's a different type of matchup, and Devontae Smith is really good too. But I think them playing those type of receivers against Cincinnati, and as good as Jalen Hurts is, he's probably going to finish second in the MVP. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback, and so I think that they 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 have an idea of of what they can do. So I think it's going to be interesting if if Spagnola just says, you know, hey, I'm going to sell out. I'm going to have run blitzes. I'm going to have pass blitzes, and we're going to see what happens with, with this type of strategy. Which uh, which storyline do you like best of this game? Is it the uh, you know Kelsey brothers? Is it the Andy Reid bowl? Is it the battle of former Big 12 quarterbacks, even with Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes here? What's the the best storyline about both these teams, you think? I I would say the 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 best storyline for me, and you know, granted, Andy Reid against his former team is great. The Kelsey brothers against each other is is phenomenal. But I, I like the fact that it's it's not only two former big 12 quarterbacks, but it's two African-American quarterbacks playing each other for the first time. And you're getting to see that and what this means for sports and America in general. But, you know, I can remember when, when Patrick Mahomes was coming out of, out of college at Texas tech, Oh, he has no footwork. You know, the, the big 12 style offense doesn't transfer to the NFL. Well, the dude is going to win his second MVP. And he's playing in his third Super Bowl in four years. So that argument can be thrown away. And 
You know, same with Jalen Hurts. He had to go and learn how to be a better passer under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. And that's what pushed him up to be that second round pick and a guy who has his team in the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, and uh, I mean, you talk about both these guys being discounted. Uh, You know, Patrick Mahomes was written off, you know, on a Texas team that only won four games. And, you know, as a passer, you look at Jalen Hurts, of the the we know what happened at Alabama and Nick Saban and company never really got him to that next level, which led him to getting benched for Tua. Even under Lincoln Riley, we saw improvement, but he still wasn't where he needed to be. Nick Sirianni and company have, you know, taken a huge step with him for him to become the player that he is today. I mean, both these guys, uh, an incredible story to not only be former Big Twelve quarterbacks and everything, but they they put in the work, Derek. Yeah, no, they, they put in the work to be great. And that's what that's what separates guys like that. That's what makes guys like that so elite. That's what makes them fun to watch is, you know, I love the story of when Jalen Hurts was was leaving Alabama and going to Oklahoma. And he's like, I wanted to be a leader on that team, but I hadn't been around there long enough. So I had to do it with my actions. And all he did was just set a record for squats um how much you could squat in the weight room and that's when everybody's like oh like okay like we're gonna get behind this dude like this dude's one of us it doesn't matter that he's a quarterback like this dude's gonna this dude's gonna work hard yeah yeah for sure um you know i i look at this game Derek, and and uh you know we i hate the whole legacy stuff but for me yeah you know we've seen both these teams win super bowls within the last five years uh although Uh, both of them are, were very different from their Super Bowl teams, especially yeah. the Eagles. But is it is it a stretch to say that this one is more important for the Chiefs because you're talking about an all-time quarterback in Patrick Mahomes that's trying to chase history, that's trying to prove that he's one of the greatest of all time. You have an opportunity to build a dynasty and all this here. I mean, you got yeah. a good thing going. You only have Andy Reid around for so long here. I feel like uh, this Super Bowl, this is this is a golden opportunity for the for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes to to build this legacy because they are this is supposed to be their time, right? This is their this is supposed to be uh, a chance for Patrick Mahomes to capitalize on on the prime years of his career and and separate himself from the guys like Aaron Rodgers who only won one Super Bowl and such. I mean, to really build upon that. Well, and, 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 and I'm glad that you say it that way, Tyler, because, you know, let's to, to kind of bring the comparison, let's talk about, you know, how it gets brought up, you know, who's the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Well, LeBron just broke the NBA's all time leading scoring record. And, you know, he's, he's crazy good with, with individual statistics, but he also won. There are a lot of people, you know, the Jordan camp will say, well, Jordan never lost in the finals and LeBron lost six times in the finals. Yes, LeBron has lost in the finals, but he's still got four championship rings and got there so many times. And he's such a phenomenal player and specimen that that's why it's okay and people are willing to have the conversation and the debate that Jordan and LeBron, who is it? Who would you rather play with? Who who would you choose? If you're Patrick Mahomes and you want to be considered and talked about as Tom Brady and you might not win seven championships, but by the time it's over, you could have four, maybe five rings and 
you will have probably every passing statistic known to man once you retire you have to win this and if you're Patrick Mahomes you can't keep getting here and and losing this game granted 2020 I think we all were guilty Tyler of overestimating how great Patrick Mahomes is and just how bad and inefficient and deficient that offensive line was. Mike Remmers at left tackle, Nick Allegretti at left guard, Austin Ryder at center, um, Stefan Wisniewski at right guard, and then Andrew Wiley at right tackle. That's arguably probably the worst offensive line anyone has ever thrown out in the history of a Super Bowl. And I felt like that was Patrick Mahomes' best performance because he was running for his life the entire night. Yeah, But Mahomes knows you can't, keep getting here and not winning because if he's a guy, let's say Patrick Mahomes makes it to three more Super Bowls and he just only ends up being two and four, he's going to probably spend the first couple years of his retirement thinking, man, I should have won more. I should have done this more. And you can say the same thing about Andy Reid. Two and two is a lot better than one and three. There's never been a coach with as many wins and as much history and everything that comes along that's associated with Andy Reid in terms of, you know, second most playoff victories of all time, you know, top three in wins when he retires and everything, and you're one and three in the Super Bowl. Right. 500 a lot better than, than, than 250. Yeah, I think so. Derek, we're getting a little bit of time left, so uh, I want to ask you about uh, KU. Uh, this team, you know, I'll be honest, Derek, they, they are hard to figure out. I mean, they look great one night, and then another night they look cheeks. It, it, is, yeah. it is so hard to, to get with this team, and I, I feel like, you know, you usually point to a team and say, okay, if, if, you know, this star player plays well, they win in their good shape. We've seen KU lose even when Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick play well. It seems like this right. team, as weird as it sounds to say, kind of goes as far as uh, as Dewan Harris takes them. If Dewan doesn't play well, they tend to struggle. Yeah, if if Dewan doesn't play well, and I think it's if Dewan Harris doesn't score over six or eight points, KU's zero and five this season when he scores six or eight or more. Um, the 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 Jayhawks are eighteen and zero. And it's just it's it's insane because a lot of people are guilty of, you know, because there are guys from last year's team on this year's team of comparing it to last year's team. Well, it's a totally different team. You know, if you really dig down deep and think about it, you know, they had Ochai Abaji. They had Christian Brown. Both those guys went in the first round of the NBA draft and are contributing and playing major time at their at their program. But not only that, their third option was David McCormick, who. Granted, in his four years, he was hit or miss. You either loved him or hate him. He was a lightning rod for 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 things. And but he was a guy who, if you got it to him down in the post, you didn't necessarily have to call a call a play. He could he could make his own make his own move and get get points, and he could turn over either shoulder. Right. And that was your third scoring option. Then you also had Jalen Wilson as well. But then you throw in, you have Remy Martin coming off the bench, who was a lightning rod and a spark plug and just instant offense most of the time when he was coming in. And then you had a big off the bench last two and Mitch Lightfoot, who had been at KU for 17 years, that Bill self-trusted. He doesn't have that on this year's team. That's why they're so different. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. What I wonder with this Kansas team 
you know, we, we see every year, Derek, uh, usually it's in late January, early February, where a Kansas team kind of goes through a lull of some sorts, and then they start to figure it out in that final stretch of the regular season and go from there. What what do you think when you look at, at this Kansas team, are are they going to figure it out? Are they going to be a national title contender, or are they kind of are who they are? What where, where do you think of this team, the direction they're headed? So I was really encouraged the other night by how they all played. You know, they were engaged and aggressive on defense, which was great to see because that's what they needed to be. You know, that Texas team is is arguably the most talented team in the Big 12. Um, I think they're a team definitely that could, that could get to – could get to the final four because if you would have told me before that game, KU would have only hit two three pointers and Jalen Wilson, your all American player was only going to have two points. I just said, you probably would have gotten ran out the gym like they did against TCU a couple weeks ago. So for them to be able to do that was, was really impressive. Um, now, do I think you're going to get those times of offensive contributions every night? No, but I do think Joseph Yesifu could easily average eight or nine points off of the bench. I felt like that's something coming from him. One of the biggest keys, and and I've been wanting to see it too, is MJ Rice, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy because of these damn back spasms. Because that guy's a freakish athlete. He reminds me so much of Wayne Selden, but you just haven't been able to see it because of the fact that he's been hurt. Right. Yeah, it's a very and he's going to get that big off the bench as well. Like I, I, I saw. I think you saw the flashes that Bill Self saw the other night in Ernest Uday. I think you saw. Okay, this is why Bill loves him so much. Right. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, if uh, if you had to predict how the uh, Big Twelve shakes out, uh, whether it's uh, one champion or a split champion, whatever it may be, what do you think? is going to end up with uh, who or how many teams? Who's going to be sitting atop the Big 12 standings when it's all said and done? I think you're going to see see four teams finish 13-5 and um, in conference play. And I think the team that's probably going to get the one seed in the Big 12 is going to be Texas. And then I think you're going to have Kansas, then Baylor, and then I think after that it's going to be K-State. So a four-way tie, all yeah, I, title. Yeah, yeah. But I think Texas gets the number one seed in Kansas City in the Big 12 tournament. Okay. Um, and uh, everybody gets a ring. 40% of the conference get a ring. That would be uh, something else. Right. 40% of the conference gets a ring. And and that's what people like, <laughs> so funny. I have, I have people reach out to me and like, man, this KU. I'm like, do you not understand how hard the Big 12 is this year? Right. Eight teams are going to make the tournament. I mean – I think Oklahoma State would probably finish top three in the Big East. I think Oklahoma State would finish would finish top four in the ACC. Yes, potentially. Definitely. Yeah, you know they're they're talented. They're good. It's just you. It used to be at times a night. You know, like you could go into a game. You know. You know, towards the end, I'll, I'll, I'll use him as as uh, as an example. Steve Prohm, towards the end of his time at Iowa. Okay, you can play bad, and you're probably going to beat Iowa State twice. You know, the last couple of years, ah, West Virginia is not that great. You can play bad, you're still probably going to beat them twice. There's really not that at all this year in the Big 12. Yeah. Like, maybe, but Iowa State was up 23 on Texas Tech in Lubbock and blew the game. Right. 
Uh, last question will end on this. Uh, crazy rumors when it comes to realignment talks. Uh, Big 12 is ready to be done with OU in Texas, but the TV networks apparently aren't. Um, we'll also, we've also seen everything from, uh, you know, Gonzaga possibly, you know, being interested in the league to some of those Pac-12 schools or maybe even going with some Big East schools uh, for basketball potentially. Uh, in, in, in Derek's perfect world of, uh, of realignment candidates that are talked about and everything, uh, what would you like to see shake out? Should, should the Big 12 uh, include some basketball-only members, or should they keep its focus, you think, to trying to, you know, try to square away maybe some of those uh, those Pac-12 schools and, you know, be all-or-nothing members? I, I, I would love for them to get a school like Arizona, Arizona State, and Oregon, and, and, and maybe one other and have that be a 16-team conference. I'm also of the approach right now, too, where I would let Texas and Oklahoma leave. I would stop doing this bullshit that they keep doing. I would say, okay, hey, here's what your buyout is. I want it all, but you can pay it over the course of two or three years. Yeah. Go get out of here. Stop doing the shit that you're doing right now because it's just only becoming ever so more annoying. Um, I, I wouldn't. I don't know that Gonzaga would necessarily come in and, and play in the Big 12 because in reality, and I know, Tyler, you and I see a lot of things on this eye to eye. I think it would expose a lot of things about Gonzaga where, yes, they do play a tough non-con schedule, but having to play a tough conference schedule night in and night out, I don't think they're going to be the darling where everybody every year, if they end up on the one line, this is the year Gonzaga is going to do it. This is the year that they finally do it. Because I think you would probably see a team that loses anywhere from four to ten games every season. Right. I do think in the long run it would benefit them to be in the Big 12, um, but they would certainly take a hit to the mouth uh from the jump uh being in that competitive league it would be interesting to see what happens derek uh tell people where they can uh find you on uh, social media and also where they can subscribe to the website and all that plug away yeah so um you know uh find me on twitter at uh, ku the hill um very creative there by the way uh and then uh you can go to our website at the season ticket.com go down to uh the fan sites click on the big 12 uh, fan site then uh the ku logo will pop up and you just hit there and you uh subscribe to ku the hill and you'll get to uh, read my content hear the podcast that's going to be coming out get insight on recruiting as well as you know the teams that are playing right now with football and basketball you know we're not too far away from from spring showcases happening people don't do scrimmages or practices anymore they're showcases um, so yeah, you know, hit me up on, on either of those. If you got a story idea or anything like that, you know, uh, let me know. I'm all ears and, uh, I'm, I'm very excited for this opportunity and look forward to being able to bring some exciting new KU content to people. Derek, appreciate the time as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again down the line and, uh, go Chiefs. Thank you. Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online oagks.com, o'connoradvisegroup.com. You can also catch Bo on the Coach Bo Knows podcast out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts, and he joins us right now. Bo was uh, off last week, but uh, back and better than ever. Bo, how we doing? I'm doing better. Hey, thanks for the week off last week. I uh, I was not feeling well for a few days. Just, just every little cold weather bug you can get, I seem to get them all at once. Disgusting. I'm glad you're okay. I'm back. 
Yeah, that'd be better than that. Feel good. And I'm excited for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm glad you're not sick during the Super Bowl because, I mean, you and I have talked about this in the past. It's, I don't think it's a secret. You and I enjoy food. And, I mean, come Super Bowl Sunday, besides just the game itself, I mean, you got to be bringing your best. You got to be bringing an appetite. You can't be being sick oh, yeah. forever and not enjoy Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, and you can't half-ass it either. I mean, you know, um, I don't do a lot of the parties anymore. I used to go to those Super Bowl parties. You get plenty of food, though, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, we're going to have some food at the O'Connor house. Okay. You can eat a couple of them. There'll be plenty of food. And, and you know, there'll be the wings, and there'll be the queso, and there'll be, I'm sure my wife will create a few other things. I mean, it's she takes care of the big man for the uh, for the Super Bowl. She was already telling me last weekend she had some stuff dreamed up for me. So, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a, a – it's a day to wear some loose-fitting clothes and enjoy the game. I just yeah. – I don't do the party thing. Because I'm a pain in the ass to watch a game with. Right. I'm not, You've watched games with me before. I'm a pain in the ass. I was just talking about that on my podcast. It, you know, I'll be honest, Bo. I'm a pain in the ass to watch a game with. I see where you're coming from, but I, I like that side of Bo, so that's not – so for <laughs> me, I, I would be in the minority, I guess, that would enjoy – that enjoys hanging out with Bo. Yeah, I'm just not a social person right. when I watch them. Right. That's okay. That's At a basketball game, I'm fine. I don't watch a basketball game be social. I don't watch a baseball game be social. Right. But I cannot watch a football game and be social. I'm too in tune to what's going on between the lines, and I have to – my brain has to analyze those things. I think the thing with, like, you know, everybody talks about Super Bowl parties or whatever, the, the main thing is you can't just sit at home and eat microwave popcorn. Like, you have to have yeah. – you have to at least, I think, even if you're by yourself or just a couple people, you're not doing the Super Bowl right if you don't have at least multiple food items out. I agree. Yeah, you got to have at least two or three options. Go big, go home. Go big or go home. I mean, you got to you gotta take care of yourself. Yeah. I'm it's a gluttonous day. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Last year, I went with uh, Panda Express and uh, I was feeling it uh, by halftime, as you could imagine. Uh, Ooh, see, I, I, that's a- that's a bold, that's a bold effort there, my friend. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that I could have made it through the whole game on Panda. No, that's, <laughs> and I, I like a little bit of Panda Express once in a while, but now I don't think I would. Have, that's not a road I would have gone down. <laughs> Bo, uh, the matchup: Eagles and Chiefs. Both teams fourteen and three, and very different paths to get here. I look at this. Chiefs team, and you had a very close game against the Bengals that went right down to the wire that they found a way to win. Meanwhile, the Eagles, they dominated in their two playoff games, but they haven't played very many good quarterbacks this year. I mean, Dak's probably the best quarterback they've faced. With that said, um, what do you make of, does the path to get to this point, does it matter how much these teams have been battle-tested or not, per se? Well, okay, we just had this argument. We just did my podcast a little bit ago, and we argued about this because I've argued about the signature win. And I've said all season the Chiefs don't really have one. I think they do now. I think beating the Bengals is a signature win. I don't like how they won that game. I didn't think either team played particularly well. But they won, and they beat the 49ers big earlier in the season. It's probably a signature win. But I, I look at it now, and I go, well, it doesn't now matter how you've won them all. You've won enough to get there. But then it becomes the matchups from here. 
And this is one of those where I look at the two teams. I know those, a lot of the stats are similar. People have pulled you. Their records are similar. Their records against certain kind of teams are similar. Uh, the turnovers, the a lot, of, a lot of the yardage is similar. Where you have total yards. I, I look at it and I go, "How's the matchup going to work? Yeah, what is it that both teams want to do? What is it the, the Chiefs want to do to win the game? What's important to them to try to win the game? And what do the Eagles think is important to try to win the game?" Figuring out those two things and then saying which one's more likely. And that's kind of where I'm at now. I've got – I have a pretty good feel for what I think is going to happen in this game. Um, and and I, I'll make a pick here a little bit. But when I say that, these are both two really good teams. And they're two teams that you can argue are also unproven. Mm-hmm. We just said that, you know, the Chiefs don't really have a huge signature win. The Eagles coming down the stretch those last three games where you had Jalen played half a game and didn't play two others. You know, the Eagles are getting a lot of shit for beating basically a no-quarterback 49ers team and a Giants team before that. They just rolled. So I guess you can argue those things, and I'll listen to that. In the end, I don't think it does matter at this point, but I do think that which team's been the most consistent through the year, it helps me decide who I think is more likely to do what they do best to win. Yeah. If that makes sense. Okay. Um, Two-part question here. Finish okay. it both ways here. If the Eagles win, it's because of what? If the Chiefs win, it's because of what? Let's do the Chiefs one first. If the Chiefs win, it's because Mahomes is Mahomes. The Chiefs will be dependent on Patrick Mahomes having a 30-plus, you know, passing, 30-plus completions, 300-plus yards, two to three touchdowns. The Chiefs are going to need Patrick Mahomes to show up and be Patrick Mahomes. He needs to be the best quarterback in the league. That's who they are, and that's what they do. They're going to need that more than ever to win this game. On the Philly side, the Philly, the Eagles, they got to run the football. Run the football and keep Mahomes on the sideline. Don't let him have as many opportunities. Have those six, seven, eight-minute drives that the Eagles do really well at, and that takes away – one or two more possessions a game. If you're going to limit the number of times that Mahomes gets the ball, that's going to make it easier for the Eagles. But that's what's important is controlling the time of possession, that Eagles run game. If the Chiefs can stop the Eagles run game, they're going to give Mahomes more bullets in the gun. Mm -hmm. And in which case it's really hard to beat them. I mean, you give Mahomes enough chances – it's hard to beat him. Right. The flip side is you just got to limit him. And how do you do that? Keep him on the sideline. It's the same argument as two weeks ago. How do you beat the Bengals? You keep Burrow on the sideline. What do the Chiefs do? Keep Burrow on the sideline. Right. I mean, that's that's what the, the Eagles are going to have to do. I think the Chiefs need to come out and run the ball early, though, too. 
But I do think in the end, if they're going to win this game or if they're going to put this game away late, it's Patrick. It's going to be on Patrick Mahomes. He cannot have a even average game. He has to have a spectacular game. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's how you see the Chiefs if they win it. What do the Eagles need to do? What What would it take for the Eagles to win? I think running the ball, running the ball, controlling the clock. That's what they've done all. That's the way they've won all year long. It doesn't matter how good your opponent is. If you control the time of possession and you finish drives. Finish drives. Don't settle for field goals. Get in the end zone. The Eagles do that really well. And they do it by running the ball. Nobody's run the ball this good in a number of years. I know there's been running backs who have had better years. Maybe these three guys have combined. But these this three-headed running back factory they have, along with Jalen Hurts and all the different things they do offensively. It opens up for big plays to their receivers. They only got to hit one or two a game. I mean, they, none of them are – neither of them are going to have, you know, are going to have 15 receptions in this game. Right. All the Eagles need to do is run the ball and, and fin- finish the drive in the end zone. They scored three or four touchdowns doing that. It's over. Right. There won't be any time for the Chiefs to come back. Yeah. Um, they, they, they managed to shorten the game. What uh, what storyline do you like best with this game? I mean, you got the Kelsey Bowl. You got Andy Reid playing his old team. You got, you know, Mahomes taking on Jalen Hurts, two former Big 12 quarterbacks, first ever Super Bowl with two uh, African-American quarterbacks. I mean, there's so many different ways to go with this. What, what stands out to you here, uh, storyline-wise? I think the one that's going to stand out down the road there are people are going to point back and say the two black quarterbacks. Because now we're seeing the league where you look at what this draft has coming up as well. Two black Teams mobile are quarterbacks, might I add. Mobile, mobile, young, athletic, African-American quarterbacks where that was not a thing even 10 years ago. It was sort of the exception to the rule. A Mike Vick or a Donovan McNabb. You know, now you've got Mahomes, You've got Jalen Hurts. I mean, look, these two guys, you could argue, are one and two for the MVP. If Jalen Hurts doesn't get hurt and miss two games, he wins the MVP. Mahomes is going to win it, and rightfully so. But, I mean, I think you can see that these are franchise quarterbacks, and they're athletic, and they don't have to be. Mahomes has got a superior arm to damn near everybody. But Hurts doesn't. But Hertz has literally been better and improved every single year of his career. From day one to day to day, he's gotten better every year. His numbers have gotten better. How he plays the game has gotten better. And it shows that um, an African-American quarterback doesn't just have to be quote-unquote athletic. Right. And now we're going to see more of this. Look at Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a franchise quarterback. Lamar Jackson is a franchise quarterback. Much as we may not like him, Deshaun Watson is a franchise quarterback. We got C.J. Stroud and um, Bryce Young in this draft, both of them likely franchise quarterbacks. I think looking back five, six, seven, eight years from now, they're going to say that was the game where we saw that these young black quarterbacks, it was not just a Mahomes thing. It was a lot of these guys can play. There's a lot of them that can play. 
and are frankly very good to build a team around. Yeah. In different ways. Oh, yeah, for sure. A couple more things on the Super Bowl, then we'll uh, move on here. Um, who are the uh, the X factors? Who, who are the guys that maybe people aren't talking about on, on both sides that need to have a big game? For the Chiefs, I think it's Isaiah Pacheco. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for the Chiefs to run the football. I, I think – and we talked before we came on, and I, I made the observation of if I were the Chiefs, the most important thing we can't do is get behind – and, and because I think it abandons the run game, the games where the Chiefs have played their best, they've been able to run the football. Against the Bengals early, they ran the football spectacularly well in the first first quarter and a half, and then they abandoned it. And I was like, well, what are you doing? You're abandoning the run game. I think Isaiah Pacheco could have a really great game. I think the Chiefs should focus on that. That will help Mahomes. It will help for the big play. It will also – Give Mahomes more time on the field to see what's going on in the in the game itself. And I think that's important rather than him just have to go out there and try to throw a two-minute possession every time he gets the ball. Right. So, I mean, it, then you can control the clock right back at the Eagles. That's the one I think for the for the Chiefs. On the Eagles side, it's actually on the defense. I think it's Hassan Reddick. Mm-hmm. I think if Hassan Reddick has a big game – and he gets in there and it gets after the quarterback. If he's getting after Mahomes and the Eagles aren't having to bring a fifth and sixth guy because of him, this guy with 19 sacks in the season, that's going to be really hard for the Chiefs. If they're going to have to play against seven in the defensive backfield. Um, it's Those are the two, like the X factors. If I was going to say, like, who's like that long shot MVP? For a running back, it's so hard. You got to break some kind of record or something. Right. But Hassan Reddick can be the guy who going to get you three sacks and a strips and a, and a, a fumble recovery. You know, something like that. Right. I, I think that's going to be. If I'm the Chiefs' offense, I got to know where he's at at all times. Yeah. I think you're right about that, uh, Bo. The uh, the moment of truth. Time to make our picks. Uh, I will say I went two and zero in our picks uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. I had the. Chiefs and Eagles covering, and uh, they did. Uh, but you are the overall champion this year on the show. Um, you took us down. I won last year. I now officially doesn't even matter what happens to this game. I hand over the crown to you. So congrats on winning the pickup championship this year. Um, you know, Applause but nonetheless, yeah. Eagles are just a one point favorite. That's all. It's basically a pickup at this point. Yeah. Who do you like? What's the final score going to be? What's the how, how's this game play out? Okay, first off, I thought this spread was going to move by now. When the Eagles were a point-and-a-half favorite, I thought for sure by game time the Chiefs would be the favorite, like they did last week or two weeks ago. Still um, could happen. It still could, but we're recording this now. We're hearing that everybody's healthy for the Chiefs for the most part. I think the only one that's out is um, um, Nicole Hartman. Is that right? Is the Nicole one Hartman, yeah. 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 And so they've activated um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I, I think that's fine. Um, but I look at it and I go, well, I thought when you'd see these players were going to be better, you know, be physically better, that it would make the swing of the, of the spread a little bit. In the end, I don't think it matters. I'm picking the Eagles. Um, I think the Eagles' run game is just too good. I think that matchup is too difficult for the Chiefs. 
I think this is a fairly close game for most of the game. I do think probably about the third quarter, the Eagles pull ahead. And then I can see a late, either a, either a late score from the Chiefs brings it closer or the Eagles get a cheap one late to make it wider. Sure. Um, I'm thinking of something like that. And I'm picking the Eagles 31 to 17. Okay. Um, you know, you know, I want to pick the Chiefs. I really do. Sure. But, but I'm a real one. I keep it honest around here. And uh, I just think the Eagles are a better team right now. I'm going with the Eagles. Uh, 34-31. Hope I'm wrong. But kind of to the points you mentioned, Bo, I think eventually you get to the fourth quarter. Eventually, Eagles run the football. They wear out the clock. And they win at the line of scrimmage. I think Mahomes and company will put everything out in the line. But I don't think it's going to be enough. I think this Eagles team is too much. I've liked it. You and I, we've liked the Eagles all year long. We've said from week three that they were the best team in the NFL. And they have just been on another level compared to everybody else. I think that continues Sunday. I will say, you picked a really high score. And on my podcast, Uncle Rico picked the same score you did. And I told him this. I'll tell you this. If it's going to be both teams scoring that much, you're in a shootout. If you're in a shootout, the Chiefs win the game. That's what the that's the thing the Eagles don't want. The yeah. Eagles do not want to be in a shootout. The yeah. Eagles want to control the pace of the game and the time of possession. That's where the Chiefs win it. Is if it if they can trade points, the Chiefs will take that all day long. Because it means the Chiefs are scoring a bunch of points. I mean, I'll, I'll say this to the Eagles' credit. I mean. Go back to that Cowboys-Eagles game on Christmas Eve with Gardner Minshew starting, and this team went toe-for-toe with with Dallas and put up a ton of points with a backup quarterback. To me, that tells me this this Philly team can can score in a shootout. Yeah, and then I do like also that the the Eagles have three running backs. They're going to get – somebody's going to get hot. And they're going to – And the way they run – and the way they run the ball and what Jalen Hurts can do with the read option and everything else, it's just too much to defend in the run game. Yeah. And I know that like the Chiefs have a lot to defend offensively as well. But you've got a little bit of a banged up quarterback. He's got to complete the passes. Right. There's less room for error. I mean, stopping a really, really ex- excellent um run game, it's really hard. Thomas Bridges is here with us as well. Uh, Tom, uh, real quick, uh, before we move on, what is your uh, official Super Bowl picture? Oh, it's got to be the Chiefs, right? You guys are both wrong. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, will, I will say, uh, in terms of food, uh, the Philly cheesesteak, hands down, by far and away, in terms of what each city food-wise is known for, the Philly cheesesteak shits down all the backside of what, Kansas City barbecue thinks they actually are. Uh, and I know, I don't know how Jones feels about that. Uh, well, and I don't know how Bo feels about that either. I haven't uh, had a real Philly cheesesteak, so I can't say. I I have, and I will tell you that I'd rather eat Kansas City barbecue every day of the week. You're, you're now, okay, since you're a Louisiana man, would you rather have a crawfish chetouffee or Kansas City barbecue? Well, it's a little different now. That's, that's uh, I really have crawfish at two favorite about anything. So there you um, go. Okay. Compared apples to apples there. Um, and you know, I I 
I like Kansas City barbecue quite a bit. That's one of my favorite things to eat. So, so that's Tom, where, uh, what is yeah. your score prediction, Tom? Yeah, let's have that. Um, give me Kansas City 34, Eagles 28. Okay. So the Eagles say F them field goals. Um, <laughs> that score. All right. Uh, so that's all for a Super Bowl talk for now. Uh, are we pick, well, are we picking MVPs? Yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and throw MVPs out there. I, I'm gonna go with uh with Jalen Hurts. Uh I think it's gonna be a quarterback one way or the other. If if Kansas City wins, it'd be Patrick Mahomes. I think Jalen Hurts wins because they win it. Yeah, I have Jalen Hurts as well. I will say if you wanted to place a little scratch on somebody, Hassan Reddick is sitting at 35 to 1. And if there's anybody who can and it's happened nine times a defensive player has won the MVP. Von Miller was the last one to do it. He has two or three sacks, you know, a fumble recovery, something like that. It could be, yeah, it could be a good one too. And an Eagles win, it's going to take defensive plays. Um, yeah. Going to have to take something special on Mahomes and company uh, to win this game. Uh, Tom, who's the MVP? Is it Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs win? I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you two. Um, I'm going to give you each side of the coin, and I'm going to go. I'm feeling. I'm feeling frisky. Um, so last year obviously it was Cooper Cup could have easily been Aaron Donald though I think it's straight I think it's going to keep straying away from the quarterback wise continuing on I'm going to say Chiefs win Travis Kelsey Eagles win give me AJ Brown okay yeah very nice all right so there you have it uh for our uh Super Bowl preview here let's uh Move on now and uh, go to the uh, the rumors carousel. Let's begin with uh, Bo's favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Um, <laughs> I was surprised you didn't uh, go to Tom Brady first here after he's retired. But you go ahead. Well, we talked about Tom last week, but you weren't here, so I know. Uh, yeah, we, we we did a whole opening segment on that, but we we can we can get Tom. No, go, go go ahead and start with Rodgers. You're, it's your show. I'm just a guest. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll get to Tom here in just a second. I do have something on Tom though, but. We'll, we'll get to that next. Uh, Rogers, Bo's favorite quarterback, going on a bit of a retreat of sorts, I guess, where he's going to stay in the dark, no lightness for four days. And when he comes out of the darkness, he's supposed to be making his decision um, about what he's going to do. I'll be honest, Aaron, I like Aaron, but he's a weirdo. Um, That's a lot of shrooms. Four days worth of shrooms. Uh, I'm so uh, right though. It I'm is absolutely it is. fucking spot on. I mean, when he's done with the shrooms in the darkness, Ball, I think out. he's going to end up wanting to team up with his old teammate Devontae Adams and be a Raider. Is that what's going to happen here? I think retire. you're right. I, I think you're right. I think he ends up as the Raiders quarterback. I think that they'll figure out some kind of deal. Obviously, Derek Carr is going out of town and getting out of there. Um, yeah, I think it makes the most sense. I think at this point, you know, there'll be some talk about, you know, people will will say the 49ers or a couple of the Jets. Um, I can see the Jets as a constellation, but I, I think it's the Raiders. I do. If he goes to Green Bay, you, you're probably going to franchise tag Josh Jacobs, I would think. Um, you have Darren Waller there. Obviously, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. That defense is awful. But just with the offensive weapons alone, um, 
that would be a really good team. The one question mark I have, though, is Josh McDaniels. Can 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 the talent on that potential offense with Aaron Rodgers overcome the weakness of their head coach and Josh McDaniels? I really don't know. I am not a fan on Josh McDaniels. Um, that whole organization, I'm, it kind of goes to something else I'm sure we'll talk about, but this is the same organization that a year ago we were thinking, hey, they need to upgrade Derek Carr. And they went with Derek Carr, and they gave him an extension. And now they're regretting that. I think that Josh McDaniels has no clue what he's actually doing. And I, I think we've seen that he was he's gotten these opportunities because when he's had a filter with Bill Belichick, he's been exceptionally good. It's like someone says, I'll take your best ideas, but some of this other bullshit I don't want. I think there's a little too much of his bullshit in the Raiders. And I think that's a problem. Now, the Raiders do have a lot of cap space. I was just looking. They are sitting on uh, currently about $18 million in cap space for the next, for the next season. Uh, that's all going to change with a Derek Carr leaving and, and possibly an Aaron Rodgers coming in. But I think there'll be a lot. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. But you can make some moves to bring on some defensive players. And there are some weapons that – definitely can be used between you mentioned Waller and Devontae Adams. And I love Josh Jacobs. Um, that's what Aaron Rodgers could use. I think that's a good spot offensively for it. Their offensive line's not bad either. It's a decent offensive line. It's not as good as it was two seasons ago, but it's still not bad. The defense is just terrible though. The defense Bo, is not very good. I have a question for you. Yeah. Would you rather have Josh McDaniels as your head coach, or would you take Jeff Saturday? I would jump off a bridge on both of those. <laughs> well, Jeff Saturday beat Josh McDaniels, so. But I, Jeff Saturday, that's that's the best story in the NFL that wasn't a playoff story. You know, you know he's going to keep that job, right? He should. It looks like Ursay's trying every excuse to keep him. He's trying he everything to keep him. He's doing every – he's interviewed 13 people. He, He's not – I'm not saying I don't think Jeff Saturday can't be a good coach because he obviously knows his stuff. I I just think that it's so difficult to go be the head coach when you've never been a coach. Well, he has been – he's been a coach now, maybe not for a full season. <laughs> uh, how successful was that? Now, granted, he had Matt Ryan at quarterback. Of than Josh McDaniels. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just think that I, I don't know. It's a great point. I think if I had to choose one, you put a gun to my head, I would take Jeff Saturday. But I really don't think Josh McDaniels is a good head coach. <laughs> I mean, just the two decisions on when he was the coach of the of the of the of the Broncos, him wanting Tim Tebow. And then going to the Raiders when they could have easily escaped from Derek Carr, it wouldn't have cost them anything on the salary cap to cut him. They would have saved like $20 million. And the fact that they extended him because Josh McDaniels wanted to keep him, I, that to me shows that he, he thinks he's a better coach than he actually is. Right. Um, the guy who thinks he's the smartest guy in the room is never the smartest guy in the room. No. No. I mean, you look at, uh, you know, Bill Belichick and Andy Reid. I mean, 
Andy just wants a cheeseburger and Bill just wants to eat at Subway. You know what I mean? Like, and they love They let their assistants do their job, but at the same time, they are going to pull the reins when they need to. Right. Um, You mentioned Derek Carr. Let's uh, let's go to him. Your other favorite quarterback. Um, Where is Derek Carr going to end up? I'm sorry. I'm hitting my pressure points. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, oh, he's. I think Derek Carr is going to be a New Orleans Saint next You're year. You're about to have a breakdown, aren't you? Oh yes. no! Um, I made the announcement. Oh, an ambulance! I made the announcement on my podcast. You can listen to it on Thursday. If the New Orleans Saints trade for or sign Derek Carr, I am suspending my fandom. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to pack all my gear into a box. I'm going to put it in the back of the closet. I'm going to be a free agent until Dennis Allen's fired and Derek Carr's released. I'm begging the Saints, do not sign Derek Carr. I'm begging. Just because you're the Saints doesn't mean we have to have a religious fanatic quarterback. Is Derek Carr a religious fanatic? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Really? Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. He's not quite Phillip Rivers. Whoa, he's, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's, he's more of a nut than Russell Wilson? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, I've been out yeah. of the loop. I see. I think it's oh. destined Derek Carr goes to the Texans. No, see, I, think, Texans, I don't think so. I think Derek, I think, I think uh, the Texans are going to go Bryce Young. I think they're going Young, yeah. I think if the Texans don't go get Lamar Jackson, they're going with the quarterback in this draft. They're going to go Young at quarterback because they got plenty of salary cap room. And honestly, of all the coaching openings, that's the one I would have taken. And they hired – they arguably made the D'Amico best hire Ryan. to make Ryan's. Yeah, Miko Ryan's a great hire. Yeah, a guy who's going to play defense – and they've got a whole bunch of draft picks next couple of years from the Deshaun Watson trade and a whole shitload of cap room. That's a and team that can get good horrible. quick. What's that? And the division's horrible. It's not like they're playing yeah. in the West. Yeah. I mean, the, the Jacksonville's the best team right now in that division. Yeah. And they're not great. And they have the best quarterback, too. But, I mean, the, the Texans are the team that can get a young quarterback and build quickly. So that's where I, I, that's how bad that I, if I were them, I would not do Derek Carr. That's how bad that division is. Say, yeah. <laughs> when you said the Jacksonville has the best quarterback right now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look at it and just, well, the Derek Carr thing, I, I think he ends up in New Orleans. I hope he doesn't. I, the other team I could see getting in would be Tampa. Hmm. I can yeah. see Tampa trying to bring in a veteran quarterback, you know, someone with experience. If they think that their other players, their other offensive players and weapons can stay and they could put something together. Um, they had a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball this past year. So if they think they can get healthy over there, maybe they think they can run one with Derek Carr. But whoever takes Derek Carr is getting a bad quarterback. Oh, okay, Bob, I got another would you rather. Okay. This is even, I don't know, well, depends. Even a, better on almost two sides of the coin, both now that I know Derek Carr is like uh, waiting waiting for the uh, 
waiting for the the Jesus lightning strike, waiting for the rapture again. Um, would you rather for your Saints? Would you rather have Derek Carr, or would you rather have Zach Wilson? I would have Zach Wilson. Oof. Yeah, no doubt. Derek Carr to me is just like going to get Andy Dalton. It's no different. Oh man, that's a good comparison. That's that's the same thing. It's the He's same the thing. Dalton. Oh wow. And if you're the you're Saints right. and you've got all these salary cap issues, why don't you just play Jameis Winston? He'll help ease your cap a little bit this year, get all the other shit off the books. Yeah, you're not gonna win a lot, but you're gonna win a couple of games. Maybe if you're fortunate enough, you can package some stuff together and next year make a run at Caleb Williams. Yeah. I mean, you look at next year's quarterback class, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Quinn Ewers. I mean, next year's quarterback class is better than this year's class. Quinn's got to show me some stuff this year. Yeah, and I'm not sure about Quinn Ewers yet. Yeah, I agree on that one. I I think Quinn's going to work his way up to be the third quarterback taken next year. I don't know. I, I don't. There, this quarterback draft was, I think, is pretty good. I, I think mean, the two top I really like. I would take I like Caleb Williams. I would Brock take Purdy, Caleb Williams and Drake May over any quarterback in this year's class. I would take Caleb Williams over all of them. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt to me. He, all right. If there's going to be what's someone wrong with Drake May? He, if there's someone who's going to be the next Mahomes kind of style player, it's Caleb Williams. I agree. I agree. I mean, I would and be, so I I would give up a lot to get him. I mean, yeah. I'd be now, on board this draft. I like bed. Bryce Young. In this draft, I like Bryce Young, but I but I do think that Caleb Williams is a superstar. Oh, and I think he's yeah. the first pick next year. What about I mean, Drake Mack? I'm not. I, I think he's a really good player. I want to see another year. I I. That next year, I'll know more. I haven't seen enough of him to say I dislike him or really like him. I have with Caleb Williams because he's been in a high profile, right? You know, situation for two seasons now, right? And he's fair. been excellent in both. Yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson reports came out this past week twofold that one, the Ravens are playing to franchise tag him, uh, that they don't think they're going to get a deal done in time by the franchise tag deadline. And then, two, that the Ravens and Lamar are hundreds of millions of dollars off on guaranteed money negotiations. I don't think Lamar is playing on the franchise tag. Bo, you say it all the time. You either got to shit or get off the pot. I think Uh eventually there's an end game here where either Lamar gets traded or he signs a long-term deal. Um, There's no reason. And and Lamar – Shouldn't have to play on the franchise tag. I mean, do something. Make your make up your mind one way or the other. Yeah, I have two opinions on this. One, either Ravens are messing up big time. If you've got a player that talented, now look, I know the knock on him is he gets hurt because of the way he plays. I get that. But you tell me who's going to replace him. How would you go find a player better than him? Hey, how many is there? I mean, think of how many quarterbacks in the league are better than Lamar Jackson. He's a top five. five He's in the top five, five or seven six quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd say Mahomes. You'd probably say Josh Allen, Burrow. Um, 
from there, I can argue. I can argue anybody against him. I can go, well, I'd, I'd rather have Josh. I take him. I take him over Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson. I would, yep. Dak. I take him over Herbert right now. Matt Stafford, Herbert, yeah. um, Jalen. I'm taking over Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think Hurts is in a great situation. Right. I think Lamar Jackson. If you're the Ravens, here's twofold. One, you're not going to find a replacement better than him. You're just not. There's nobody available. Who are you going to go get? But you drop worry about him getting hurt and change your offense a little bit. Right. And they're hiring. This is what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. You're just going to. You're just going to have that issue. It's just going to happen. The other one is, this is the city of Baltimore. And I don't know about you guys. You guys ever been to Baltimore? I've not. No. Okay. Let's just say that a lot of folks in Baltimore would love to have that quarterback. They'd love to have that man on their billboards. He's not an embarrassment like Deshaun Watson is. He doesn't do anything that's not going to be positive. It, it's a, it's almost a crime to me that Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed contract and Lamar Jackson, as was been reported, is $100 million behind between between him and the Ravens. The well, Ravens I mean, should do the everything Browns. they can do to keep him. I'm sorry, Tom, I cut you off. It, it, sorry, it's also the – I feel like it's also the Browns. And if uh, if your boy Arian Foster is right, then uh, I feel like the NFL script for the Browns is just to continue making horrible decisions. I, that whole script and stuff, I don't want to hear that shit. That's uh, just people <laughs> fun and whatever. Arian Foster is just being goofy. I mean, but I, but I do think that Super Bowl after Katrina, yeah, that's pretty scripted. All right, so now we have this mass conspiracy that there that these things are scripted. So how has this never gotten out? The the deep state's been covering it up. Okay, all we're, right. we're getting on track. <laughs> Reel it in, reel it in. All right, all right, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with President Trump over there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the deep state's not out to get the Baltimore Ravens. Um, after after Ray Lewis killed that guy, hundred ten. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> no, I, I I think if you're the city of Baltimore too, it's it's a place where they have a large a large part of their population is African American. Man, that's what you want. I mean, this is the team that plays you know the the the, the wire the stuff the stuff from the wire before the game. You know, this is where Lamar Jackson should be. This fits. He's the biggest thing since Ray Lewis in that place. And maybe only Ray Lewis has been bigger than him. Yeah. If that city loves Ray Lewis, and as great as Ray Lewis is, he's deserving of all the accolades he got, Lamar Jackson could be even bigger. Why the Ravens are not doing this, has it's, it's becoming apparent to me that it's not because he gets hurt before games every, every year. There's right. something more to it. Yeah, and that's a goddamn shame. There's a, plenty of teams out there going, okay, let, let's let's see what we can trade for, for this guy. The Houston Texans will got a lot of capital, and they'd love to have him. Um, one more for you, and then uh, we'll talk college uh, football here. Um, the situation that is uh, going on with Tom Brady, obviously he retired, uh, you know, last week, and now. He's come out and said he's not joining Fox Sports till after next season. Not going to the booth right away. 
So we get another year of Greg Olson with Kevin Burkhart. That's fine with me. Greg was awesome this year. I look forward to his Super Bowl call with Kevin. They'll, they'll be a great duo again. Glad to have them back next year. But when you see this in mind, is Tom leaving the door open? He didn't. He said there's still a, a 1% chance, potentially, he could come back. With him already pushing Fox aside a year, is there something, even if it's not retirement, let's say, even if it's not coming out of retirement, let's say, is there something that Tom is cooking up potentially behind the scenes, whether it's a, a management role somewhere or an ownership stake? Is it, it, I find it odd to wait a year on the Fox job here. Something, something feels weird about it. It does feel a little unusual. Um, you know, I just saw this past week where he has the, the posts about, you know, now he's got his, uh, he's got his brand and his, his clothing brand. And the big thing they put out now is the underwear piece. Some of you've seen this, and so Brady posed and just his underwear, and the 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 pictures that are online, right. um, that are on Twitter and everywhere. I think that Tom Brady's a single guy now. He doesn't have Always. the commitment of football. He's Tom Brady. Go enjoy life for a year. That, that's what I think is going to happen. Eat a strawberry. Eat a strawberry. Yeah, he's going to go – I, it's going to be a lot of models that might end up, you know, having to sign NDAs in the next year. <laughs> uh, That's about as nice as I can put that. Okay. All right. Not not quite the Sean Watson level, uh, but uh, – Oh, I mean, no, no. And I don't mean it that – And I, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't mean it that way at all. I mean, well, he, I mean, he does – He does with Robert You Kraft. were with him. He doesn't want public knowing about these things. I mean, he is yeah. friends with Robert Kraft, so. <laughs> well, Robert Kraft can show all the massage parlors he wants. He's already no, down he, close he, enough to Jupiter. He's close to Jupiter, Florida. Oh, man. We'll see. I, I feel like there's there's something going on we don't know about. Um, yeah. I, I think part of it also could be that maybe the Patriots are going to bring him in for a, a one-day contract, retire his number, all that stuff. And he probably wants to enjoy some of that before – Hurrying into the Fox booth. Well, and and another part of it too is like Greg Olson did a fantastic job this year. I 100% agree. And it's written in, I was hearing about this in Greg's TV contract that if he gets demoted to the number two crew, he loses $7 million um, for taking the demotion. He goes from $10 million to $3 million at Fox. And there's a clause in his contract that he can leave Fox to be the number one analyst at another network. Well, right now, as bad as Tony Romo was this year, CBS isn't moving on from him. Kirk Herbstreit, you have to imagine, is going to be back at Amazon next year. Collinsworth just signed a new deal, but give it another year. I would I would guess that Herbstreit or Collinsworth, one of the two, is probably not back the year after that. And Greg Olson would be right in line to take one of those jobs. Then you bring Brady to take the Fox job and everybody's happy. Yeah. I, I think Fox has got to get creative in this thing. And Greg Olson has done a great job. I We were talking about this on my pod last week. We actually ranked the number one teams. And we had Burkhardt and Olson number two. We had only Buck and Aikman ahead of them. I agree. And they're timeless, though. What's that? I said Buck and Aitman are just timeless. 
Yeah, I fucking hate me. I, I've said I know a lot of people don't like Joe Buck, but there's never been a guy who's a better play-by-play guy, especially in today's world where you have to do so much. That's a hard job. I think with and the way he handled the DeMar Hanlon deal, it takes a really – You can uh-huh. no longer dislike Joe Buck. You can't hate Joe Buck the way agree. he handled that with such yeah. class. And I, I mean, mean the, the biggest knock on Joe Buck has always been the, um, you know, local fans in certain areas don't like him. Right. You know, I mean, here in Kansas City, people don't like him because he's a cardinal. He's perceived to be a Cardinals guy, and he's perceived that he's not been as nice to the Royals in the World Series a couple times. And I think Joe Buck's rebuttal to that's pretty decent in that. Well, if you're a Royals fan, you watch Royals broadcasts, and we don't talk about anybody else on the side. It's just their team they're focused on. Right. But in the national booth, you can talk about both teams. So right. it's going to make you look like you're biased one way or the other all the time. Right. So, but again, and I think Al Michaels, I mean, you and I both have been in agreement. We think Al Michaels is one of those that's just a goat as well. But the thing I think Buck does better than everybody, and I noticed from having called games with you, frankly, Tyler, is there's so much going on. As the as the play-by-play guy, you've got to get the analyst in, do the live read. You've got to know when to call the game, the action, when to sit out a little bit. You got a producer yelling in your ear the whole time. It takes talent to do that. Any knucklehead like me can be an analyst, but it takes talent to be a play-by-play guy. I think you're a traffic cop. Yeah, yeah, you are. You're absolutely a traffic cop. And I think Joe Buck does that better than anybody. Yeah. And, and well, I think it's a, a thing to that. And so that's why I, I, I like Burkhart. Yeah, What's I would like them to be able to find some way to to keep Greg and, and Brady together. Maybe Greg can go to the studio or something, but... Uh, I would flip it. I'd have Brady and Gronk do something together. Oh. In the studio yeah, or in the booth? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's what I would do. And I think if you look at Fox's hosts, they've got a lot of old guys. And they've been well, together. Derek Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson got to go. And, and, yeah. and Howie Long is really old. He's been there since Fox had to, has had the, the broadcast. Right. He looks better than the rest of them. Yeah. And, but you look, you had Tom Brady and Gronkowski, and Gronk's been great when he's been on. He has. He's not been goofy Gronk. He's been in knowledgeable football nerd Gronk. Which has been really good, right? And they don't have Sean Payton anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, you could put Tom Brady if he's if he's good at it at all. Him and Gronk having some knowledge together could be really good as a host. It's yeah. not not the host, but in the in the studio. The studio. And yeah. I would strongly consider trying that. From what I heard was that Fox didn't want to spend thirty seven million dollars on Brady to be on a studio show 4 million people watch as opposed to yeah. a game broadcast with 35 million people watch. Yeah, the thing is also is that we will you get more people on the game? It, it nobody tunes into a game because of the announcement. Correct. I, I now, do like I do like Joe Buck and Troy Eggman and if I hear them on a game and the only reason I say this and people have said it way before I said it um but they make even the shittiest game feels special. And yes. I haven't felt like that about anybody else that I can remember. If I put 
Troy Aikman and Joe Buck together, they are like what my generation growing up was like watching football as like a young, like a, a very young person, like five, six, well, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, made, twelve year old. It made Thursday night football the last few years a lot more bearable. That's for I mean, sure. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like yeah. they yeah. are this new generation's John Madden and Al Michaels. Who else? Yeah, I mean I, that's I, that's why I, it feels. I good think they're I even better. Them. I think you bring up the great point there, Tom, is that you need familiarity. Uh, Burkhart and, Al- and Olsen, with more time, can be that. Yeah. Um, I mean, Aikman and Buck, you could be a blind – I could go blind and would immediately know. That's the same way with Mike Breen on calling NBA. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, or Harlan, Kevin Harlan, same way. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Let's, on the uh, analyst uh, thing, real quick, I know you got to wrap up. But only you know, what I, one thing I do will say on the analyst thing: okay. we're not even sure Tom Brady's gonna be good at it. Yeah, it could be I dog mean, shit. It, I mean, you look at it, and, and they know better. But look how good Romo was in the beginning, and how bad he is now. It's clear he's not prepared. Right. I mean, the AFC Championship game showed us how unprepared he is. He's still All he do is just ooh and ah over to two quarterbacks. Right. He literally talked about nothing else. And just a a lack of preparedness. I think that CBS team needs to change their whole situation. We can get into that at the time. I heard they had an intervention with Romo and Yeah, I heard that too. I they need to have an intervention with Jim Nance too, to be perfectly frank. He's too golfy. He's too golfy for football. I love Jim on golf, but he's not really great on anything else. Yeah. I agree. A hundred percent. I think he's so romantic though. Yes. Is he is he not the Morgan Freeman of sports? Yeah, and, and it's no way. he is, but sometimes not and that's not necessarily a good thing sometimes. No, yeah, he's yeah, a, yeah, he's it doesn't, a, work, he's it doesn't work everywhere. Right. It doesn't work everywhere, but no. yeah. Uh, All right, we gotta move on. Uh yeah, move on. let's talk college. Uh realignment now let's start with the pac 12 um right here in dallas uh on wednesday when we're taping this pac 12 commissioner took a visit to smu sounds like sounds like they're close to potentially a deal with san diego state initially the plans were that the pac 12 wanted to get their tv deal done and then expand after that but their tv deal is not done and according to reports, they might have to expand before they get the deal done. Current membership doesn't like that Amazon is probably going to have a vast majority of the TV deal and money is much lower than it was expected to be. Um, money's not going to be close to the Big 12's TV deal. Um, a lot of panic right now in the Pac-12, it seems, Bo? Yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 is kind of the, the last conference without a chair. I mean, it's just... Um, they've lost their two biggest. They're losing. They're losing their two biggest teams. And as good as you know, teams like Oregon and Arizona State, and you know, there's some names in there, but none of them have any cachet. None of them are UCLA and USC. Um, and going to get San Diego State and SMU or or whomever you're going to get isn't going to replace USC and UCLA. I, that's just that's the biggest problem they've had. When they lost those two and in the Big 12 beat them to the contract, the next contract, it's over. I mean, the Pac-12 is going to be 
a second tier league moving forward. I wonder too if if the schools get upset by having a majority Amazon deal and they can get, you know, a li- let's just say it's just a little bit more money, not a huge amount, but a little bit more money in the Big 12. Um, some of those schools like the four corner schools, whatever. How much stock, Bo, would you put in of making it worthwhile to go to the Big 12 for a little bit more money, but a whole lot more exposure. How much do you think it benefits uh, potentially these schools to make said move to the Big 12 to take advantage of being on major networks as opposed to being stuck on a streaming service? I I think it's important to where we're looking at colleges. We're looking at college kids. And so you're thinking it's got to be easy for mom and dad, grandma and grandpa to be able to see you play. Um, I do think for recruiting wise, it makes a difference. In the end, you might make as much or more money being on Amazon. They can pay more. But, and I, I guess the flip side to that is also you can say that, well, everyone's going to streaming. But I do think there's certain cachet to being on Fox, to being on CBS, to being on NBC or ABC and ESPN that everyone can watch your game leisurely as opposed to having to go find it. Right. I think there's something to that. Um, you know, look at, and especially in college, think of it in college football terms, think of it as um, this season, Caleb Williams just won the Heisman, and he was the best player in the country. But he really wasn't, it's almost like it was like an elimination because he was the one that was steady through the whole season. But in the future Pac-12, a quarterback at Oregon won't be seen as much. A quarterback at, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, Washington, great, great example, won't be seen as much as the USC kid. And I think that makes a difference. Uh, It's the same as right now. You're looking at, you know, college basketball. And if you look, you know, some of the best college basketball being played right now is actually the Western Conference. I don't know if you've been watching, but it's really good teams out there. But nobody sees them because they're on FS1, they're on ESPN Plus, and no one gets to see them. No one knows who they are until the damn tournament starts. Right. So it's it's there is some some reality to that. Yeah. It's going to come down to how you sell it to your members. Yeah. Um, Big 12 side of things, uh, interest is growing. It feels like that uh, a breaking point is coming where these Pac-12 schools are going to have to decide one way or the other if they want to commit to the Pac-12 in this Amazon deal or if they want to make a move and jump to the Big 12 one way or the other. But then the other fold beyond that, um, we've heard that there's interest in the Big 12 of expanding the basketball brand, of adding a Gonzaga, or maybe even dipping into the Big East and taking Villanova or St. John's or Georgetown, um, you know, something to to that effect of some sort, uh, you know, with, with, with those type of schools. But we saw with the, the Big East last go-around, and even the ACC as of late, 
if you put too much of a priority in basketball, even though the Big 12 is the best basketball league of America, we've seen history tells us if you try too much to build your thing around basketball, that's a recipe to fail. Um, it might be a good short-term solution to bring in some quality basketball schools, but we, we've seen it come back to bite conferences in the past. Turn on your mic. Yep, sorry about that. It's funny because we're in a situation now where if you watch SportsCenter right now at night with Scott Van Pelt, every night he's saying Big 12 is the best basketball best basketball league in the country. It may be right now. But it's still not ratings. Still not what football is. The problem is now the Big Ten and the SEC are so dominant that no one's catching up to them. And grabbing those two L.A. schools was all the Big Ten had to do to get in that. And now there's nobody else to grab. There's nothing you can do. To make yourself a basketball first league, you're just not going to have the revenue that a football league does. Right. It's just not the, – the the ratings aren't there. A Saturday night ESPN game for any SEC game beats – Every single college basketball game, even Duke, North Carolina. Right. I mean, you just can't market it that as, as well. I mean, it, it's something it would be, extra. It would be fun, sure, to have UConn and Villanova and some of these schools. You'd yeah. have great games, but what yeah. does that really do value-wise for you? That, that's right. It's it's basically a new way of selling the thing. It's the way of selling, selling your conference to say – Oh, we're not a second-tier conference. We're simply a better basketball conference. Really? Does, does anyone think that those conferences are actually better? I mean, even in Big 12 country, they realize that they're, they're third behind the Big 10 and the SEC. Well, and tell me, you know, we, we look at Big 12 basketball, and I was saying to, to Derek earlier in the show, Oklahoma State, for example, who's, you know, the bottom half of the Big 12, They'd be a top three team in the Big East right now or top four in the ACC. Well, sure. let's say that you bring in these really good basketball schools, the Gonzagas, the Villanovas, the Yukons, Georgetowns of the world, all that. Well, I mean, the reality is only a certain number of teams can still get tournament bids. Not, It's not like everyone all of a sudden is going to be great. There's only so many wins to go by, too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And and then if you also look and you go, well, let's say that it, if the Big 12 wants to add Gonzaga, which I can see why you want to add Gonzaga, but then if you say you want to add Gonzaga and UConn, you really want to add Gonzaga and UConn and all that travel? Right. I mean, you're going to have the same issue that USC is going to have going to Rutgers. You already have a long trip of Provo to Orlando. I mean, yeah, I mean, what the fuck? I mean, it just, at some point, I got to sit there and go, are you thinking about student athletes? Because if you're not, if you really are thinking about the money, then just admit we're trying to get as much money as possible on basketball because we don't fucked up the football part. Right. Admit it. Your actions already tell us that you did it. Yeah. It, I'll tell, I'll say that, like, a lot of this stuff sounds fun, but just don't know how realistic some of this is. Yeah, putting together. Yeah. 
That's the thing. And like if the Big 12 wants to add a whole bunch of teams like Gonzaga or UConn or Villanova, you know, you're going to add basketball only schools. How did that help the Big East when the Big East was dealing with all that? Right. It didn't help them. And now the Big East is nothing. Right. They, they lost Miami and, and Pitt and 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 was Syracuse go with them to the big to the ACC? Yeah, I mean you lost those teams to the ACC. They didn't care about the basketball being in the Big East anymore, right? Yeah. It's I'll tell you what. I had Wichita State start a football program and bring in Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> uh, in hey, it works in soccer, I guess. <laughs> There is no world where Wichita State is joining the Big 12. I'll tell you that right now. Um, Of the basketball schools they're looking at, Wichita State is never on the radar. Uh, Which is almost too bad in a way. It's almost that it's too bad because they're a legit basketball program. Right. It's just that the other Kansas schools aren't going to like that. Yeah, I mean, they've been – They've been a better program than K-State, historically speaking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as of late, yeah. So, yeah. Bo, we're out of time. Uh, what's on the uh, Coach Bodo's podcast this week? Hey, we just did a big show. Uh, three of us, we had, we had um, Ellen and Uncle Rico come in to do a Super Bowl preview. We're going to have a, um, a NBA special coming out this weekend. It's going to be the wrap-up of the trade deadline. Where we're going to talk all about the changes that have happened, the Kyrie Irving trade. Um, a couple of other trades that are going on, Russell Westbrook and all that stuff tonight. We're going to talk about all of that this weekend as well. So we'll have that on, and uh, it'll be fun. And we're going to have come back. Now we'll be out of football season, so we'll be talking about a little bit of everything after, the, after this week. Looking forward to it. Bo, uh, have a great Super Bowl Sunday, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Take care. Take care, Tom. Final segment before we go, it is our Tom Fuglery story of the week where Thomas Bridges tells us something that's happening ridiculous in the world, and uh, Tom's ready to go. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, we're keeping it in the city that you reside in. We're going to, to Big D. We're going to, we're going to Dallas, Texas. Um, and Jones, I'm sure you heard of this. I've heard about it here. I actually just did a gig not too long ago at the Tulsa Zoo um, and I did the event at their little event center that was right kind of pretty close to their big cat exhibits um, and I talked to a lady and this is just kind of this is before this happened um, but this was uh, you know I'd, I'd broken down and they don't have a whole lot of lights obviously at night in the zoo why I have lights when no one's in the zoo at the dark time hours so as i was leaving and walking back through the zoo at about midnight um one of the other zoo ladies i was talking to i said yeah it's pretty creepy walking through the tulsa zoo in the middle of the night there's no lights on especially when the dallas zoo just had a snow leopard escape and she's like yeah that we we talked about that we were talking that that's pretty crazy that so random that something had happened where that snow leopard was able to escape um especially a zoo being as big as the dallas zoo 
Well, a couple weeks later, obviously, we figure out, okay, well, something's going on at the Dallas Zoo uh, because a snow leopard escaped. That was the first thing. A, I guess a rare vulture was, like, murdered in its exhibit at the, at the Dallas Zoo. And then shortly after that, monkeys were stolen from the Dallas Zoo. And they've, they've, I guess, up until now, have not had not been able to find them. Um, so this, like I said, comes from the Dallas Zoo. And it reads, Texas man arrested for stealing two monkeys. So they found him from Dallas Zoo. Jones, he took them. He got arrested for it. I'm assuming they got the monkeys back in the in at least one piece. Um, this guy doubles down and says, if he's released for this crime, he says he'll do it again. A 24-year-old man now linked to the unusual string of crimes that kept the Dallas Zoo on the lookout for missing animals told police that after he swiped two monkeys from their enclosure, he took them onto the city's light rail, light rail system to make his getaway, courts record show. Davian Irvin also said he loves animals and that if he's released from jail, he would steal more. Irvin, who remained jailed on Tuesday after a $25,000 bond um, and after he was arrested last week after questions at a downtown Dallas aquarium about animals there, he is, so he, he robbed the zoo and then thought, okay, I'm getting too much national attention. We got the snow leopard, the vultures, and now the monkeys. Um, I don't know where else to get my fix at, so I'm going to the Dallas Aquarium. Um, and I guess that's where he was caught. He was charged with six accounts of animal cruelty and two counts of burglary. An attorney listed for Irvin in the court records did not respond to a request for comment. Irvin told the police that on the night of January 29th, he waited until dark, jumped a fence to get on the zoo grounds, cut the metal mesh of an enclosure, and took the two Emperor Tamarin monkeys, according to arrest warrant affidavits. He then got on the city's light rail before walking to the vacant home where he kept his animals. Police, acting on a tip from the public, found the monkeys named Bella and Finn on January 31st, the day after they were discovered missing at the empty home in Lancaster, a Dallas suburb about 15 miles south of the zoo. Officers also found multiple cats and pigeons in addition to a dead feeder fish and fish food that had disappeared from a staff-only area of the zoo earlier in January, but wasn't reported stolen at the time. Irvin has been charging two odd events over a span of several weeks at the zoo and is linked to another police said. In the taking of the monkeys, Irvin faces one count of burglary, six counts of animal cruelty, three for each monkey. He also faces a burglary charge in relation to the escape of the clouded leopard named Nova, who was discovered missing January 13th. Cut was found in that enclosure, and the zoo was closed as the search was launched. She was found later that day near her habitat. Irvin told investigators that he'd wanted to take Nova, but that he was only able to pet her before she got on top of her enclosure. Police said they've linked Irvin to the cutting of an enclosure for Alanger monkeys discovered after Nova went missing, but he hasn't been charged in that. None of the Langer monkeys escaped. In the days leading up to the Emperor Tamarind monkeys being taken, a man had been raising suspicions at the zoo, asking questions not only about moving and caring for such monkeys, but about the cloud of leopard that had escaped. 
He was also seen entering staff buildings near the monkey's enclosure. After the monkeys were discovered missing January 30th, police released a photo and video from the zoo of a man they said they wanted to talk to about those monkeys. The man in the images, who police later said was identified as Irvin, prompted the tip that led police to the vacant home where the monkeys were found. Jones? Yes. If you had to steal, if you had to steal any animal from the zoo and you wouldn't be, I guess, maybe not caught immediately or... I'm trying to think of a better way to word this. If you could steal any animal from the zoo um, that wouldn't pose necessarily an immediate threat to you, if you were one-on-one with it, what animal are you stealing? Uh, let's see. I, I would... Uh... You have to house it, too, and have to feed it. Have to house it and feed it, too? Well, I mean, adequately. Like, you could house it in your apartment, but, like, at least make sure it's fed adequately. Okay. Um, I, I like would... You have, you have to try. I, I feel like it would, it would be a baller move, especially if you're, like, having chicks over, if you had, like, a white tiger. That would be pretty legit. That's that's why I said like you have to figure out like you would have to figure out a way to feed it and like house it. Like you couldn't just like we both live. I I, I live I guess like in a townhouse apartment. You live in an apartment in downtown Dallas. Like we couldn't steal an elephant and house it. So like, it has to fit where you live. Uh, but a white tiger, a white tiger would definitely fit in your apartment. Yeah. Uh, it would take a lot of room, but it would fit. So, I have a theory on who is behind the monkey thing here in in Dallas, Tom. You ready no, for this? Found, no, they found him. I know, I know, I know. But, uh, like, who's really behind it, though? Okay, okay. I have a, a deep... You, you, you earlier were accusing the NFL of being scripted. I, I got something that's scripted here, potentially. All right. Remember back in 2015 when Des Bryant had to give up his oh to PETA or to uh you know PETA reported him whatever and he had to give up his had, monkey to uh, he had that city of Dallas and Jerry Jones came out publicly and said I am a monkey fan um I Jerry. think that this was a secret ploy to try to get Jerry Jones and Des Bryant a pet monkey. Monkey gate. Doesn't that make sense? It was in Dallas. We know Jerry Jones and Des. Des still lives here. They love monkeys. Um, and, you know, I, I think this was a ploy to get Des his monkey back. I do. I almost forgot about that. Des did have that little shoulder monkey. He was like about the size of a couple dollar bills yeah i i remember that i do remember that very could very well could be these these uh emperor and tamarind monkeys i don't know if you've seen a picture of them they're not i wouldn't say they're big they're uh they're about the size of a cat like a big house cat and they have these uh kind of cool little mustaches on them it looks like a little mustache um I mean, they do look pretty cool. I've heard too many horror stories about it to steal a monkey. Um, 
You said white tiger, Jones. Knowing me, if you had to guess what animal I would steal, what would you say? Knowing you, uh, I, I feel like uh, Tom would want some type of uh, like a, like a zebra or something. I don't mind zebras. Um, I could see I, you having a zebra in the backyard. I would I would be stealing the flamingos. Oh yes, that's a good answer for you. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I would be like give me about ten of them bitches. Flamingo. Uh, the flamingos kind of weird me out a bit. I'm not gonna lie. I like the flamingos, man. They get they get their color from eating the shrimp. Um, and they're just I feel like they're pretty chill. I feel like they're not, you know, like you mentioned a white tiger. Like if you had to fight a white tiger. Oh, listen, I think, I, I, I think you're, you know, I don't, I don't think you're, I think you could, I think you could hold your own in just a normal fight, but fighting a white tiger, probably not. But if the, Tom, if I'll the, say this. Um, I just wring their neck. Tom, you know, you know this about me. Uh, obviously I have nothing to do with this because as you know, I am not a fan of petting zoos. Like I keep my hands away from the animals like that. Clearly, I had nothing to do with this. Yeah, no, no. There's now, if it was like, um, I don't know, like if there was like a water burger meet and greet with these, <laughs> if there was, if there was like uh, promotional money to be made by these, like if they could do a live remote, then maybe I would think so. But knowing your history with petting zoos, all goats, all pigs, all all farm animals are safe. And any pet that would be a little bit exotic, also safe. Stingrays, safe. Um, uh, dolphins, safe. Um, anything that you can get in the enclosure with and safely pet immediately, safe. Um, you know, I've heard zebras are a bunch of assholes, but any drive through safari thing that can legally be out there, Probably safe. If they stole an ostrich, don't see you as an ostrich guy. I don't want to be dealing with a bear on cocaine, okay? There you go. There and 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 uh we won't mention too much, just knowing your track record in Dallas in terms of uh uh you know, you love to say summer of Jones. I think you've been uh living uh I, I don't even know what I would hashtag your your Dallas experience so far. You you've almost been there a year in what May, in uh, March. Oh, oh yeah, March. So it's come. Oh, you got one more month, and you've been there a whole year. And it seems like there's a lot of details that we won't mention, but <laughs> it's like it seems like your time in Dallas so far, uh, in terms of shenanigans and fun, has far outweighed any experience that you had in Omaha. Uh, a lot of tomfoolery uh, has gone on here in uh, Dallas. See what I did there? Uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of no, yeah. no, no zoo burglaries yet. Not yet. Um, but that does it for uh, tomfoolery and for this show today. As always, subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every Thursday. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Big thanks to Derek Hagman, Coach Bo, for joining us. You, the listener, as well. 
Um, follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. For Thomas Bridges, our entire crew, go Chiefs. Thanks for joining us. This has been another edition of Jones Support. We'll see you next week as we get ready for Daytona. Daytona.